Okay, so we're on, and um, let's just flow right in, and I can introduce you later if that's okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. However you want to do it. So, so uh, you're talking about hoarding, and um, <laughs> the only experience that I've had with that is I answered an ad one time for a local community theater group was doing a a show, and they were casting for someone to play a Columbo character, and it was like literally a um, a farce of Columbo. Yeah. So, um, they invited me down to their place in Denver to, to do the audition. And when I got there, it was in this high rise apartment building on East Colfax, which has a reputation. Um, I, I'm from Colorado, I've grown up here. Um, but anyway, as soon as I went into the place, you could, I mean, there was a pathway and you had to follow the pathway through stacks of oh magazines and books and boxes and stuff. I mean, they led me through this maze. And I started to get a little wigged <laughs> out. <laughs> I'm there alone and there's a couple, a man and a woman, and they're, you know, not necessarily intimidating, but it was kind of weird. And so uh, we got back to this little tiny nook where there was a little space to move. And I did my audition and um, um, they, they asked me to, to do it again because they thought it was so great. And could I do it for their pet um, uh, gerbils? And so they oh. brought their gerbils. <laughs> That's a, this is intriguing. <laughs> this is real and, 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 and um uh oh you said intriguing not a dream <laughs> yeah intriguing <laughs> so I did the monologue again and they loved me and then um they were like that's just great you know um if you're available let's just do this and everything and um they said so there's a scene where you're going to want to put these handcuffs on somebody so can we put these handcuffs on you real quick oh my yeah, god handcuffs. And I said, I don't feel comfortable with that, but I will take them home and practice. And they were like, okay. And they gave them to me and let me go. <laughs> and I left. And uh, um, I, I called um, like a few days later and said, look, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't, I'm not really feeling well and I can't make the show this weekend or you know, whatever. And so um, <laughs> they sent me a Christmas card. And with a picture of their gerbils and um, just a note saying, we like to have our handcuffs back, please. And thank you for me for auditioning for us. That is crazy. Well, I wouldn't, I would have been uncomfortable with that too. I mean, it just seems over the top. Uh, I mean, everything there would be over the top. Although I am as a collector of of interesting books and zines and all that. I do like the idea of digging through oh, yeah. all of that. As I long as it's not the crazy, uh, you know, I can forgive that if it's all like bibliophile stuff, but the ones that have like the stinky, there's rotted fish in a bag over there. And then, but these are kind of like bibliophile people that don't have enough space or won't part, you know, you know, yeah. that's like a picker's dream. <laughs> For sure. I would love that too. <laughs> I mean. But that I'm sorry about my dog. I've got I've got them all in because it's raining. And so Oh, no worries. Didn't even hear them. How oh good. I have oh it's it's quite a story, but I have a little pack here. Really? Because I love <laughs> it's... Animals, and animal stories. Uh, <laughs> I, I guess let me let me let me um I, I mean, I could just sit here and talk to you. This is great, but I, I should uh, introduce the show and, and make it a make it a real thing, and then we can go from there. If you All know, right, okay. let's do it. Is there anything special that you want me to um, mention? No, not at all. I'm just a person in the world. Is it Yogi? 
you know, I love that. That's so cool of you. It's actually <laughs> Chander. Um, Yogi is is a nickname slash title, um, but Chander is is my name. Chander, my okay. Spiritual name actually. It's not my given name, but. Oh, um, oh, excellent! Even better. It, Chander Ardas thing, and and Ooh. you're niche, just niche. Niche, yeah. Again, Which please. is actually the middle part of my full name, niche. Niche. Yeah, it's the middle part of my full name. It's I've been called it a long time, and I like it. I like the play in words, a niche to put things, sacred uh, things go in niches, right? But it is connected to my full name. Nice. Is it um, is it Russian? There is. Well, it's Eastern European, so. Yeah, I mean, you could go Polish, Ukraine. There's a village, and I think now what's the border? Where is that village now? By my namesake, that I think is in the Ukraine now. You know, these borders have changed so often. Oh, wow. Right. You know, so, yeah, I think if you look, if you know my real name, you can look and see there's a little tiny village, and there there I am. <laughs> wow. Is that, is that, are you from... Here or where? I was born in the United States in Iowa. In Iowa. <laughs> That's, That's a place I've never been. <laughs> so well, uh, you were going to introduce, you said you were getting on to some sort of introduction, Chander. Oh, yeah, exactly. There is that, isn't there? So, um, uh, hi, everyone. I'm Yogi Chander. And I'd like to welcome Nish as my first guest on the show. And uh, Nish is um, quite a creator, quite an artist, quite, um, quite a conversationalist. And I'm just so pleased to have the opportunity to speak with her directly. And Nish, welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you for coming on. I, I'm thrilled, and we already got off to a good start here anyway. We were chatting right away, but I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled to be the first guest, and I felt quite honored that you sent me that DM, I think, on Twitter. I can't recall where, but you it was, you were, you were so kind in it, and the way you approached me was very respectful. I... I, you know, I was taken back by it. some people just come right at me. And also, I'm not a snob. You know, you're like, what do I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to work up you know, your little wish list of people, you know, and uh, it, it was, it was charming to me. But I'm not a snob. And if I like the energy, I'm coming, I'm going to come at you. <laughs> Rock on. I mean, that's what it's about, right? I think that's so cool of you. I mean, I, I wouldn't expect that you would even have the time. I mean, I, you know, everyone's busy and everyone has things going on and you are especially active with your art. I, I'm very impressed with, like you just had another show roll out this morning. Um, I noticed, but I haven't had the chance to hear it yet on the Cosmic Salon. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I, yeah, I don't I'm know, busy. Um, yeah. I'm busy, but I made time for you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh, you were actually the first person I thought of and the first person I reached out to. Um, um, and so I, I definitely appreciate it. And it's, I just didn't expect you to be able to have the time. And I'm just so pleased that you did. That yeah, you that's why you were saying that it, it's, again, you're respectful and you have great energy. I love it. So I'm a hundred percent behind, uh, what you're doing. 
This is fantastic. We need great conversations out there. We need more good content. I could, I'm feeling this in your bones. You showed me I, a list. I think there were several people. I like them all. I can't recall if you said that or if I just into, you know, got Maybe, a very you psychic might have eye. clearly you're interested in things i'm interested in or you wouldn't have come into my periphery absolutely yeah and it's actually one of the things you said on one of your shows i really don't remember which one of the guest was but they they said something about what you know getting back on track to your questions or something and you were just like no, I'm really all about having organic conversations. And that was, yeah. that's exactly what I want. I've been trying to figure out what I could do to produce a show forever. And that's really what it is, is opening up space for organic conversations um, with, with yeah. interesting people. The meanders are everything, I think. And this is what we have generally in our casual, raw, intimate conversations are meandering thoughts. And they're not, you don't sit down with your friends or with people you're interested in and have a little checklist. Right. Granted, don't get me wrong. If I don't know who someone is that's coming on to say Nox Mentea the Obelisk, I, I, I binge them and I learn and I, I do have a checklist, but I don't go by it. I just make sure I have those notes just in case. Uh, and so, yeah, I figured, and since I'm all about consciousness and kind of observing where does consciousness live? How does it live? What is it? All these kind of the philosophical stuff. I just love it. And one of the things that I love the most, obviously, are dreams and what that's about. And no one can stake a scientific flag on that particular moon because it's still so mysterious there are a lot of people that have tried there are a lot of people doing research but it's still that mysterious it's as mysterious as death in my opinion from researching dreams my entire life your entire life awesome yeah oh yeah it was one of the very first things that i came in uh i felt like and i i don't know my origin story is interesting, but I, I woke up at three, you know, I just woke up out of a dream. That's kind of basically what it was, but it turns out I was, uh, in a, in a house that we were able to date that was around before the time I was six months. And I described it all to my momo later. And she's like, oh yeah. And she showed me photos. We were out. Of, I was out of that bassinet by six months. We were out of that house by six months. But what I recall was waking up as the child I am now, and you know, in this flesh. And but I had my recall of that was I was coming to from a dream. Now I don't know what that dream was, and I don't know where I come from. However, I did have that sense. And then my mamo was one of those people that always asked me my dreams and so it was part of my life my whole life and because i travel heavily through those portals uh, it, it's just deepened over my life and you know it led me into all kinds of places including buying the very expensive hemisync from the Monroe institute and really? all the different books oh yeah i got that early on and did that uh it was a CD, I believe. 
and sat there with the headphones on. But all the books, cool. all the books, everyone always bought me dream books and dream interpretation books. And so this has been an ongoing exploration. And all the people around me, I've always talked dreams with. So I've been doing it my whole life as far as conversations about dreams. And uh, it was just logical for me to, at some point, come a little bit more forward with it. Although I have an agenda. Oh. <laughs> What's your agenda with the dreams? Ooh. Are you want to get is... into everyone's dreams or do you want to collect them? Oh, we'll uh, go wherever <laughs> I'm so I'm deeply interested in the Vesica Pisces and you know that's the overlap space right yeah. mm -hmm. and so I'm interested in that in specific with the idea of dreaming and everywhere that dreams go so from low lucidity to high lucidity as far as like full-on out of body which is astral projection I guess you know the terms have been updated a bit since the Victorian period. Right. Uh, so I had come forward and I'm really interested in some very specific overlap stuff to fill in the gaps of what I'm searching for. So there's where the controversy comes in. The mystery. Controversy. <laughs> <laughs> I just I was thinking of like that. That's awesome. Um, so the Vesca Pisces, I love how you how you describe that because I mean you're talking about like the space that overlaps between things yeah yes yes and, and so I've always described that as building bridges between concepts and that's like been the the number one driving force in my life is taking things that don't may not be at all related or seem related but building a bridge between them yes and that's Pisces is just I mean that's such a beautiful way of describing that I love it and it's interesting to see how things do overlap and things you don't think would. Right. It's amazing, this network, how, how this flower actually does bloom outward, right? When we start working with that kind of sacred geometry and we then apply it or um, overlay it onto some things that people take for granted, such as dreams, such yeah. as deja vu, such oh. as as anything that has to do with the fact that like this is a Vesica Pisces. You and I are encountering each other. We really don't know each other. And yet somehow the universe brings us together. And so here's an overlap. And who knows how our words in this interaction will blossom out. And this is what's mysterious, intriguing, and keeps me going <laughs> nice that's that's awesome it's true it's like and, and those I, I love the way I love the language we're using because um the terms that I, I I frequently go to are like rabbit holes opening up rabbit holes when you're talking and that's one thing you do and we do but I love that there are flowers blossoming forth for you and infinitely kind of you know creating I imagine this poppy field that's just popping with beautiful you know things yes. <laughs> that's really so, cool what tell me a little bit about your dreams and goals for this your show wow um well i want to say first of all the dreams have always been a big part of my life and that's that's just amazing and and, and I, i'd like to um 
talk about those things too. And I also would love to hear your origin story big time because I've only got little bits and pieces here and there, you know, on the show as you've mentioned them, um, you know, along yeah. the way. And my memory is hit or miss sometimes. <laughs> so, um, Isn't that the truth? Especially when we start traversing points of consciousness, it can get confusing. <laughs> Right. And you ask all the time is like, is, um, you know, how are you sure or are you sure that, you know, this, this is reality or yeah. consciousness or whatever? And I, uh, I definitely, I've got one toe in the infinite. I always have. I, 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 um, so I've always been conscious of that and, and that this isn't all there is anyway. And so, um, I don't know. I think the only thing that I could say about that is there's a consistency that's in this place that seems to be, I've heard you say consequences and there's that too, but there's consistency um, that I don't, or I haven't found in the dreamland. And I would love to be able to revisit some of the places that I've had dreams about, but I've never been able to achieve that consistency. Have you? Yes, I can, I can pop in. I'm quite advanced, although I hate to say that out loud because it feels pompous to me and I really really strive to not be that person and keep the ego from being inflated in certain things that I feel confident in and dreaming is certainly one of those things I feel confident in because I've spent a lifetime focusing in on it as a means of consciousness and consciousness exploration so, but I can pop in. I have a lot of control. Let me put it that way. Now, there are things people say they do under this realm or genre or experience that I am less experienced in, and it intrigues me, and those things intrigue me, and I, I'm always trying to use those points as a, a bar to either achieve or see if they are real for me. So I, like I said recently, I've never seen the silver cord that everyone talks about. And I, I can't recall who it was. It was recently. And they're like, well, you just look behind you and there it is. And it was, a, oh, it was the MUFON guy. Oh man, what's his name? Dennett. Oh, he, Preston Bennett. Preston. I that I don't was, know. I don't even know the guy's stuff, but I remember that name. He's been. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, I crowned him because his experiences are phenomenal, amazing, and he said he had not either, and until one day he just he went looking and turned around and he said he saw it and then he he traced it back into his body and then it was like being John Malkovich, right? He was inside, <laughs> and I, I felt very intrigued by that. But one of the things was an overlap. There was somebody finally saying they had never experienced it. And this man comes to the table with extreme control, extreme examples of encounters and moving through those planes of consciousness and stuff that totally validates a lot of my experiences. And so I could feel they were authentic and real for me. And yet that experience has stayed completely hidden or obscured from me and even since that chat with Preston 
I have tried that and I do not see a silver cord. I can see my body, but I don't see the silver cord. And I would for a, in a New York second, follow that right up like he did. And I view it, my imagery of it is like an umbilicus, right? That's what it yeah. sounds like to me. Like so, but it, it's not been in my experience. And there are a lot of people that have full conviction that it's the one way, the true way. But I'm telling you now, <laughs> I haven't I haven't seen that. And I have a lot of control. So I can go in, yes. And I can pull, go to spaces I know and have been to through the dream uh, landscape. And I can get back to places. Now, this is the stuff that is not the daily mental, psychic, uh, psych check that happens when we're deconstructing of our personal psyche, right? This is not the daily stuff that presents itself uh, when we're getting into deeper space. This is not the components of my own psyche, my thinking, feeling, judging, perception, personas that in, in union analysis, you, you do give them a persona so you can come into interaction and and name them so you know them this is this is different this is coming into this space like we are now however mm. this space like we are now as i often postulate is that space also inner space and outer space have a bridge there's a vesica pisces between the two so yes i do to answer the question have the ability to get back into narratives and I do it often and I enjoy it. And I have ongoing relationships through the dreamscape that feel just as real as this. And then I've had dreams where I lived a whole entire life where it felt like, it felt like I was like, I went to the whole death scene and everything. So, and I've had people tell me, well, these were past lives and I couldn't, I'm, I'm fine with hearing that and I'm fine with the idea of it, but I couldn't substantiate that in any way because it felt alter dimensional to me, extra dimensional to me, alternate life to me. And the time frames just become weird. Time is very weird. And I think anyone going through- Did you still feel like you? Yes, I was 100% me. Wow. So in the mirror, I'm not me, but I'm 100% still the, the bigger I that I am here. So stripped of egoic stuff, right? Stripped of anything I feel that, that gives me character here and gives me a certain niche, you know, feel. Uh, the core, though, was still the I inside, the, mm -hmm. the bare ego, I guess, that functions. And so a different... A different sense of aesthetic, a different, you know, in one life, I was just a whole different gender. And so, you know, it was just a whole different experience. That was actually a terrible life, but I lived it out the whole thing. And <laughs> See, being a man isn't all that great. <laughs> it was time. not, not <laughs> happening. I really enjoy the feminine principle. I really enjoy it. it it's a happy place for me. But nice. I'm not afraid to pull forward into masculinity at all. And I've never been afraid to do that in my niche lifestyle. I mean, I can, I can uh, 
example right up into doing things that I need in the masculine principle, which is what? This is a positive charge. This is uh, getting, there's, there are certain principles that go along with it in our dualistic experience. And so we need those to get on. Oh. And sometimes if, sometimes you do things better than other people for yourself. And so if it needs you to apply a principle, then you apply the principle. And a lot of times women in this paradigm get considered you know, there are rough terms and terminology for animus possessed women. And you can see why, because there are terrible animus possessed women in the world. But also, it's a principle that one needs to adhere to, you know, I'll fight, I will fight if I have to, oh, I yeah. will fight. <laughs> so mm. fortunately, I don't, I've rarely ever had to do that for real. Uh, but I'm not going to lay down. You know what I'm saying? So that's an applied masculine principle. So it's applicable. But in, in the, that particular right. lifestyle, in, in that particular lifetime where I was a masculine figure, it was very uncomfortable for me. Uh, and I'm not sure why. And it wasn't like a gender dysphoria. It was, there were things I didn't want there was like expectation that I didn't want to live up to in that lifestyle. And, uh, and I, I don't recall thinking on it now. I don't recall feeling, like I said, there was no dysphoria with feeling like I was trapped in that body or anything because my bigger eye is genderless. So it was just not a great life. I didn't enjoy it, but I lived it all out. And died well in that life, mind you. <laughs> do, do you. Did you do you remember your passing into the afterlife? No, this is one of the things I'm looking for. What is going on? <laughs> what is, is going, going on? on? I have no idea. I hear these stories and I'm intrigued by them. I've had I've had two NDs in this life. One where oh. I I bled out and I had to have a blood transfusion. And this is a different story. And I've never really talked about it in public. And I'll tell you, I've, I don't think I've ever talked about it in public. And I've rarely talked about it in private because of the circumstances. It was just very strange. Uh, Thank you. But my mama was there. My auntie was there. You know, like I had family around me. And it was when when all that happened my nde was nothing lights out baby i have no memories of anything happening once the lights went out and that alarms me i i'll keep going i got i'm gonna come back to that i got i'm gonna share something too that's amazing wow right nothing, nothing. oh i was 24 i believe and I was way into, I mean, I've grown up into, I was always into the woo and there's been, you know, I've had a lot of very, very, very strange experiences. And there's a lot of weirding around me and people that are 
my friends and in my life know that. And I think they like that. I'm so used to it. I don't even pay attention. So people come into my life. I'm like, oh my God, you know, they'll be seeing UFOs and weirdness and people treat me strange on the street. It's like the waters part for me. It's, it's so weird. I don't know what it's about. That's one of those things I'm searching too. Like, what is it about me? And it doesn't matter when I held down office jobs and I was in more standard clothing and not, you know, I like long flowing. I kind of have a Stevie vibe, I guess, now in my yeah, older days. Uh, and so, you know, when I was just holding down a normal corporate job that was soul sucking and I, I left that, but I wasn't any different than anyone else. Yes, I did dress like Joni from Mad Men, but I wasn't you know, I wasn't like a super freak or anything. I was in cute little vintage style clothing, getting on. There was nothing that should have been head turning like it has been my whole life. And yet it was still that way. It was still that way, no matter how amongst the common people, which I feel like I am one of, I'm always still ostracized. Huh. And, and, and not in a mean way. But in a, in a way that's different, one of these things is not like the other, that kind I, of way. I I totally feel you there, completely. Yes, completely. I have a feeling you do. <laughs> <laughs> and even in those corporate, you know, ways when I had shorter hair and was wearing ties and stuff, it's like it's it the same way. It's just like people either assumed I was from Europe or was an alien. Yes, yes, Literally. absolutely. <laughs> I, I vibe with that. I think this is why when when you approached me, I felt a kinship towards you. And it's that kind of thing. It yeah. is. We know our own. Totally. <laughs> I think you mentioned too, that you're a Taurus and you know so much more about astrology and stuff than I do. And I'd love to hear all you have to say about that stuff. But I mean, oh, are you, I don't want to like get bogged down in astrology. I'm actually trying to step away. It seems like everyone is talking astrology these days. I was just talking to my friend JJ this morning about this. I enjoy astrology, but I'm not a slave to any tool. None. Cool. And so, yeah. yes, I enjoy it. Yes, I look at big swatches of time. I do like two-year chunks and I, I write in hard calendars still. I'm a pen and paper girl. And I go, okay, this for my chart, this is a day to look at. For the collective, this is a day to look at. And I have stuff pinned like that. I'm not every day with the Aspectarian. I'm not making moves just because of what the astrology is. And frankly, I think the tropical system is good for personal stuff. And I am more swinging towards the Vedic stuff for the collective and predictive. Fascinating. Wow. Do not be used by these tools. Use them uh, as tools. I feel like that's what a master does. You know, it's like you at some point you transcend the tools of which you have dedicated yourself to understanding, right? And yeah. you become more of a part of the flow of your story. And um, they don't, your life isn't about that tool, but the tool, and I don't know, somehow enhances your experience of life where it can maybe. Well, you see, you notice it, I'm sure, how people just become possessed by it. Oh, yeah. Like, and that's one reason I'm, I'm a highly, as much as I am all about the woo, I'm also partially skeptic. So I always take a step back when people are really into something, is it, especially yes. as a group. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. And so this is the thing. You, is you, that I, sorry. Ahead. Oh, no, 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 carry on. No, please. 
it's just this thing that I'm on right now where I'm talking about how everyone somehow is like presto an astrologer. Everyone's presto a tarot reader. Everyone's presto a mystic. And I feel like when we start putting these, pinning these kinds of titles, in other words, when we start becoming possessed by the tools, by the agency of the tools, by the spirit of the tools, we are that we're possessed we've lost ourselves. we've stepped aside and now we're this title and this goes for anything this goes for people dealing with trauma that want to pin ptsd on them or mental disorders they want to pin that on and as well as achievements you know i've got these letters behind my name in front of my name i'm this in the world and this is why i always go back to well step into the vesica pisces and see where the overlap is and remember that when you close your eyes you are none of that when you die you are none of that and well, why, so, right well, and that's that's the kind of perspective i i i just don't understand why people don't get it when they're all wrapped up in their thing whatever it is it's just like you know what you just said is where it's at and it's so amazing how people are just like even if you i don't know it, it's it's frustrating me i feel like oh so many people just don't see it <laughs> well that's welcome to the to the world of the observer it's oh it's so difficult to inspire people to move as they need to move and stepping back seems to be one of the hardest things to get people to do in, as far as stepping back and get a macro view. And then sometimes people will step so far back and lose the detail. This is the forest for the trees, right? And so you've got to be, I think, this is just my opinion, of course, uh, I think it behooves everyone to be able to move back and forth. As Jung called it, uh, changing consciousness at will. We need to be able to hone in like any good camera. Let's zoom in and look at this. This looks interesting. Now let's zoom back out and see how that plays a part in the bigger picture and not get overly identified with any of it. This is the problem, isn't it? We be, and that's where I'm calling, I'm calling that possession. So when you hear me talking about possession a lot, this yeah. is part of that process. Ah, wow. Okay, that adds a new perspective and layer to a lot of things that I'm thinking suddenly. All right. <laughs> can, I, oh my gosh, I just have so many things, but can you kind of go into that a little? And I'm not, I'm just taking some notes here um, just because I got to remember to kind of come back to some of these wonderful flowers we've, you know, watered. <laughs> um, yes, oh, I keep notes while we're chatting too. Although right now I, I need my glasses. Uh, I think that's a wise thing to do while, when you're in conversation with someone is in the end that allows people to get their thoughts out and then you can return to a point. So it's a, a wise thing to do, especially as you move into doing this show. For sure. So, and I think, you know, I have a sketch note style and I think you mentioned the other day, I jazzed me because you said something about that your notes were kind of like doodles and I was like oh my god yeah yes. that's, and that freed me up because I was always real shy about taking notes in front of people because you know I, whatever 
judgments. Whatever. Well, it's true. And it's true. Mine, mine look like do my notes look like doodles, but I'll tell you what, I understand them. Mm -hmm. There is there. It's almost like little mind mapping things. Mind maps are awesome. I love them. Yes, they work. Mm -hmm. They absolutely work when it's tailored to you. So, uh, all right, I, I, where were we? So let's see, uh, boy. So you were talking about the possession thing, and, and I want you to kind of go on that for a sec, if you, if you would, before I go back to anything else. I have I have layers of this, and I'm I'm still parsing it out here. So I can tell it's been a deep thought for you for a while. So yeah, good. it has. Yeah, I've been. I talk about it a lot. It's one of those things I try to get into a chat with as many people as possible because I'm looking for the overlap here and I'm trying to understand the collective because the collective seems to be strange right now, stranger mm -hmm. than any time in my life. This seems to be, and I think most people, if they're paying attention at all, I mean, you have to kind of not be, who are you if you're looking at the world these days? And I'm talking the whole world and not seeing that it's stranger than it's ever been. And especially if you're over 35, mm -hmm. if you're coming into it, this is the world you're coming into and this is the world you know. And that's of course by design because wise people think long-term. So, you know, it, it, I don't want to say wise. I really don't want to put that hat on them. But if you have a goal, it, you're an arborist. You have, you want, you don't plant uh, a ginkgo tree for yourself. It takes a hundred years for that plant to get up and be beautiful. It, you have, you're planning that for the future. They're just things that I attribute to people thinking forward like that. And so it's easy when you're looking at garden analogies and planting analogies uh, and patina analogies with certain types of painting. So yeah, with possession, there are many <laughs> layers. something earlier today where a guy, oh, it was Pragmagic actually, where the guy was making his own. Keats, I love Keats. Yeah, did you see the one where the guy was making his own ink? No, I, I haven't caught Keats's latest. Was is it was it his latest? I think it was last night. And he was talking about something about um <laughs> very similar. He was talking about the um, you know, the the um I don't know, the the whatever, the um the grace of um you know painting with colors that from flowers that you've grown, you know, that kind of thing. Yes. Some, yeah. Planted some um I don't know if he planted indigo or if he planted something else, but he planted something with the, with the knowledge that three years later, he's going to be able to start making ink from this. And so it's right amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should have Keats on, by the way. I'd love to. He's cool. Uh, I, I, um, I'll reach out to him for sure. I haven't done that yet, but I, he's on my list. He is fantastic and so easy to chat with. Also, I just, I love him. He's a friend. He seems like uh, a genuine person. And I, if I heard him right, he's actually in Colorado. He just, yes, he is you older, in, so. in the same neck of the woods over there. Yeah. Yeah. So, cool. and, and you will have a good chat with him. He is easy to converse with. He's just one of those people. It makes my heart widen. I just love him. Nice. So, well, I love all, these, all of us are artists who are just trying to figure out what's going on in that you know, um, trying to do our thing and stuff. And, and um, you know, that kind of brings me back to just a, a brief thing you mentioned about all the, 
you know, everybody's in the Tarot and, and everybody's doing readings and stuff like that. Do you think it's because of the, you know, because of the COVID response thing and how everybody, or a lot, so many people are now trying to find alternate ways to sort of make their way. And I see a lot of people turning the coaching into metaphysical things and, and stuff. And um, I mean, do you think that there's a correlation there? Oh yeah, of course. But I've been noticing this trend for quite some time. So I'd say since the 90s. Mm. And it seems to have really amped up in the last decade, though. Like it's it's in full bloom now, like an algae bloom that's turning the river red. <laughs> I, um, that's just another thing. I've always, I've, I've dated a lot of witchy women and I've um, been around some witchy people, but my life has been so strange in that, uh, like, you know, like you were saying, I, I'm the oddball out and the people around me, um, even when I was walking in, in um, you know, large social circles and stuff. It was, it was, nobody was, was where I was at. And so I never really got to have a lot of conversations or get into a lot of things along the way that I was into, except some of the core things. And since I was a child, my, my thing has always been classical Japanese martial arts. And so the I Ching mm. has always been a part of my thing. Yes. Yes. And, um, but I don't, I've never re really explored any other oracles until really recently I, I felt sort of a pull and out of nowhere, I, I was riding my bike next to a lending library and peaked in there and there was a deck of angel cards i have no affinity to angels but i was like well that's a gift yeah so they're sitting here and i haven't used them <laughs> or but those you know chandler those that's the way that's organic and i like that it's the things we're pulled to i think a lot of people are just doing there's this thing called in union psychology participation mystique where or it's like this interjection really of psychic content so if this person's doing it then then i'm gonna do it and then this other person does it and it becomes this big group thing that takes over it's like a wave and so it's trendy it's fad it's this and it's like seasonal fashion in a way and so we're just in the season of these occult tools that have really come out and you can't call them occult tools anymore because they're not hidden or arcane in any way. They're, they're out there everywhere now. And Even so, maybe. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like the fashion this year and that year and that year. So I think, but it's true, not all about like stock in this case. <laughs> true to, true to self, <laughs> true to self though, is go where you're being drawn like and understand where you are being taken rather than where you're being manipulated into going and and yeah. that's where like the propaganda machine happens and 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 that's why we see this bloom in what was once classical occultism or the classical mysticism and why we have add water and stir everything add water and stir high priestess add water and stir uh gurus and you know everyone's got a book there's um, it's it's all a cult in the end a cult of movement a cult of personality a cult of fashion it's all turned into this charade or facsimile and i keep saying go where you 
want to go and have the conversations you want to. We have to do this. And so you doing you coming forward and deciding to do that with this show will take you places you don't know where you're going yet. And that's fantastic because if you're just coming out here and you start pulling in the people you want to get into conversation with, that will reverberate out as opposed to doing it, say, to get clicks, to, you, you know, there's, there's something about the energetics of it. And that's a whole different line of query. Discovery and exploration. Yeah. Yeah. And that will take you, I've, I've always found those kinds of things take you where you need to go. And, and somehow the world that is constructed around us really does support you in weird ways. It may not seem like it sometimes, but the, right. you're you know, right. you know, the struggles and a lot of, we need the struggles. You have to have the struggles. I've often been very intrigued by people that have what we call silver spoon lives or golden lives that the chine the trines in the chart right and i don't want to look down upon those people i don't know what the macro is on their larger scale of who they are and what they've done it's like a they choose a holiday and maybe they design this nice four-leaf clover break and that's all we get to see looking in is well why does everything get handed to that person why does that person get everything or why is there no hardship in that person's life i have come to the point where perhaps this is by design by their design and uh and not knowing what they did to get there. So I used to be kind of judgmental about it. Facebook profile version of them rather than them. (laughs) You mean? Right. Oh man. The deeper we get into digital reality, the further away we go from organic reality. And these lines are very blurred now. Very, very blurred. Yeah. I I just got a perspective not too long ago on someone like that with a silver, who is a silver spoon sort of a person. And um, I just gained some perspective about the reality of where they are actually, especially at this point in their life. And um, so, but that's always made me wonder too. It's, I've looked at amazing houses and amazing lives that people were leading and stuff. And I'm just like, how does that happen? <laughs> yeah. But I also, I don't know. It's easy to romanticize it, I guess, but truly you have to walk through some really dark places to gain some treasures. And I feel like, um, well, that's been, my walk on kind of a shamanistic sort of a thing. Yeah, I feel a hundred percent. This is why I've never come from a victim standpoint. Yeah, I, I definitely chose, I feel like I, I had a hand in all the hardships and, and they've all created, they've all been a Genesis for me, a, a -hmm. complete movement into new worlds every hardship i've gone through and some have been very extreme which is you there are some i didn't think i would make it out of and yet i did Mm -hmm. and no matter what i would because i don't think we die and i don't think that energy dissipates in that way and this is in 
contrast to my NDE, the one where I bled out, where it was lights out, even though that happened when I was at that point in my life and I cannot recall, I wonder why, because I have such a sense of more. And when I get, uh, and you know, continually spiraling these conversations. So into the dream space, when I'm not in body and, or I'm in another checkpoint in time in another body having another experience where I can still identify as Mish over here. I, I know that this still exists over here. And I know as I'm standing here talking to you, I know that exists over there. And I know I can get from here to there because I've made contact with there. And so the portal becomes dream for me. I know there are other ways, but for me, the dream space is how I slip out of this set of stories clothing, if you will, get out of this car, if you will, and get into that set of stories. So I know there's more despite that black NDE where nothing was there, Tander. I mean, nothing. It was a blackout. And I was so I didn't even know. I didn't even know I had died. I came I came to and found out that I had been tapped out and the doctor's like, Oh, you're a bleeder. <laughs> Wow. It was like, yeah, I mean, it was a dire situation that I was in anyway. And uh, it was, you know, it was a crazy situation that led me to be in that space, period. But when I found out later that that's what had happened, I was in awe because there's no memory. And so that shook me up. It really did. It shook me up. And that led me deeper down the rabbit hole, if you will. Mm. Like, why does everyone else get a cool NDE? <laughs> I know they get like this tunnel or something, or they get some someone coming to them with a vision or a message. Or yeah, I've interviewed a couple people now in my new show, The Cosmic Salon, where like uh, Jim Bruton had an amazing NDE with just just amazing, atypical, not the a tunnel, not that it was a it was apocalyptic with this very strange large egg mechanical egg where he reached in and pulled out pain and all this stuff and then uh the latest one i just put out before the one i put out last night but i put it out friday i think with ingrid hunkala from columbia yeah oh she's amazing yeah and, that was a very uplifting <laughs> inspiring show i have to yeah say. i i timed that i had i'd recorded that a while ago and I knew we were moving deeper into this narrative out here. Yeah. I have a lot in the pipe right now. And so I'm trying to just, nice. I'm trying to pepper everything. So, because the Dean one is back to kind of the nefarious stuff that's going on. The, the one, the Ingrid one is very uplifting and she is a very uplifting person. And we get into sorrows. So we get into all that. Uh, but her story is remarkable and she has a real sense of where she's going and her NDE was very lucid and had all that going on as you know and so I'm like why why did I get to see nothing <laughs> I've had two yeah but and you saw nothing either time either time 
Was it the yeah, same? I fell out of a tree when I was young. It, this was, uh, I got all the way to the top, a big oak tree in our backyard. And uh, I had, I had my hands, I was a tree climbing girl. I had, and I was at the very top and my brother was up there with me, but not at the very top. I always prided myself in being able to go the farthest in the trees and out on little tiny limbs and bend with them. Right. Oh, cool. That was me. Cool. And cool. so my brother was like, you're going to fall. I said, no. And I had all this logic to him. I said, I've got my feet on this branch below me, this really twig. <laughs> and because I'm at the very top of this oak tree wow. and, or it might've been a maple. I can't remember the type of tree. It was huge in the backyard. And I had my hands on another branch and I was blowing with the wind. Right. And wow. I didn't realize so my my brother says you're gonna fall i said no if the branch under me falls i'm hanging on this one and i'll be able to you know scroll my way back in he killed the, the magic tree. there didn't he you had a magic moment going on he brought you back he, into reality that's <laughs> my brother for you and and then the same was the logic on the top if the top one breaks then I will be able to catch, you know, one of these branches and I'll be fine. I was very agile. And of course I was just little. And so they both broke. Oh, oh man. <laughs> and, and let me tell you what a mystical experience it was until I got to the blackness. I did not fall. The ground came up to me. Oh, wow. And still this imagery is still crazy. And I remember when that was happening, that it, I was fully conscious of this. Like the ground came up to me. I did not move. I did not move. And that was one of the singularly strangest sensations as far as sensei I've been able to pop, to look at in the mechanisms of how this construct around us works and flows. I don't think we're really in the motion we think we are. I think stuff is moving around us, coming towards us. And uh, and then there's a lot of woo that can get into that because of that experience. And yeah, I mean, I had, I'd fallen a very, very, very long ways. I was completely out. I had, uh, uh, next thing I know, I, I mean, I remember hitting the ground and then running and somehow I, I was, knocked out by it of course but then i came to my brother had to get down i came to and he'd already been in the house getting getting people i remember running and screaming and then passing out on the steps and then waking up sometime later and then hearing the story you, fell, you ran and passed out is that what you said yeah wow yeah so i had like i knocked the wind out of me i don't know how long i had been out on the ground not that long, long enough that I went <gasps> and came back to and ran to the steps and then passed out. So it was just like get back into the body. Is that what you're kind of <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. But then then there's that. I did have another close experience, and this was recently where I cracked my skull open three times. Oh uh, man. And this one is very interesting, although it's not. I mean, I guess it supposedly could be an, in see, this is a thing. NDE means near death experience, not tapped out. Although the blood one, I tapped out, I totally flatlined. Uh, and that was death, death, death. Uh, 
which, like I said, is alarming. Anyway, so this last one, I think, sorry, I had this tea is coming up with my popcorn. And um, <laughs> I had, I was walking across a floor and it was one of those plastic wood floors. I don't know what they call it, laminate. And that looks like wood. And they're really slippery when wet. Very Real slippery. slippery. Yeah. yeah. And it wasn't wet, though. But I felt like I got pushed. And so hmm. what happens here is, and there's there's all the woo around it. I'm not going to get into all that. But what this experience was, I knew because of studying martial arts you know you spend time rolling and dropping and all this you know how to let it go right you don't you remain very pliable not rigid or you're going to break something yes and so i know how to fall i've always known how to fall. i fall well and and what i'm kind of martial arts, just real quick wing chun okay gung, awesome gung fu yeah and so tai chi and all that's tied into that and uh anyway so so Nagmai Shaolin Temple. I just want to throw that in. Nagmai Shaolin Temple. I love that whole Shaolin thing because Nagmai was a female monk, and that whole origin story is amazing to me. Yeah. And I was drawn to it. I didn't know that, but that's a whole different story. We'll go down there later at some other. Oh time. yeah, we need to have a martial arts conversation too. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're talking martial arts basically. This is all internal, right? Yes. So, so I'm on, I'm on my way down and for me time slowing and time time the weirdness of time happens a lot in my life and so this is one of those weirding moments where time stopped and much like the ground came up to meet me when I fell at the tree it was the same story here except for as my body my body shifted and turned backwards and my 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 conscious mind said oh shit there's no way to catch yourself without having a broken arm or some you know I, you do you catch that you know right then right you do inventory you're like i'm fucked i can't there's nothing you can only roll with it and literally yeah. and so i thought this is not in my head this is this is not good that's i knew that going down this was not good yep. and uh and it was one of the very few times in my life where i had that kind of this might be the time i die i thought that going down and in that process i had like these two i call my mothers one was my mother in this life and then one was my witch mother and she had passed a couple years before that or maybe a year it was fresh uh and on the way down when i'm looking my now my eyes are focusing up and i'm going to just try and ride this out i'm not going to try and catch myself oh no there's going to be broken bones i don't want broken bones and i thought it was going to be a smoother roll this is what i thought i thought my my spine would roll it back well what it was was it was a very hard hit from my feet are out from under me onto the base of my arse and then my Whoa. my torso slammed back Bam. and then yep. my head so my head had gone forward and then you can't stop that you can't no, no there was no way to round that and so and and then my head hit because it had all this it had gone forward and then slammed back and i would have been dead 
had it not been that laminate floor, that stuff I hate so much, but it's padded, it it's, you know, soft. it's like soft. It, well, it was, it still cracked my skull open in three places, but it was, yeah. so I hit that. And in that moment, that's when I had those, the two mothers and they were like balls of light, really. I, I didn't, I can't say they were balls of light. There was their presence, but not their, their visage you know, their visage, their image, it was their, their energy. And then I woke up sometime later and somehow I'd end up across the room. I don't know how long I'd been out. Uh, I have no idea how long I'd been out. And then it was a very long recovery. You were all alone at the moment? Yeah. And it uh -huh. took me to, I had to relearn how to, this was when I had Nox Mente. So it's been in the last four years. Uh, I think it was like year two. I had to. So I went on this process where I, I'm still struggling with this actually, with speech. I can find myself struggling with words. I have a bit of a slur now sometimes. And it's all from that brain injury. And it is a struggle. When it first happened, and my my head was so swollen it i couldn't even i couldn't speak it took days for me to speak at all and uh i mean there's a process but like i said it's ongoing that i still slur because of that that never Not went noticeable away at all i work at it it's a martial art principle i really focus in on on it and i try everything's a center line for me so that pearl of beads right that string of pearls mm -hmm. that center line <laughs> right so that i don't know if that qualifies but it certainly i was certainly concussed and um Concussions you could feel the squishy of my brain i mean it was <laughs> it was really extreme Oh. And uh, like I said, that was the very first time where I thought, oh, this is going to be how I exit glamorous, you know, like it wasn't like that kind of a thing. But I thought uh, in that pro slowed down process of mm -hmm. assessing the fact I had just that time to say, I think this might be the time. And this springboards me into having gone through a lot of really crazy experiences where I feel like and I think a lot of people, if they think back, if they've done anything in their lives that gets them outside of their nest, uh, have crazy experiences where you look back, you're like, man, I could have died there. Yeah. I have so many of those. And it's and that's been one of my questions is maybe we are all dead. You know how I speak like that. Like maybe we actually are, and this is actually a navigation of the afterlife, but it feels just as real. It's a facsimile and we oh, can die and die again, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's heady shit. <laughs> yeah, shit. I'm just right there with you, you know? And that's so interesting. And like, then when you think about that, like, I, I don't know how many other people have had that experience where they've come, they've had a lot of close calls, you know? I've had yeah. um, two definite NDEs, probably maybe three or four, um, if you start counting the TBI, you know, the brain injury thing. And then, um, yeah, you know, yes, more than that. It, and so it's like, so had, you know, are those always in which we did exit at some point? And like, <laughs> you know, that's just a reality we were kind of quantumly experiencing so that it can all get finished up and we can be done or, yeah. 
that's that's right where I am with it. Like where where did it? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, where did it? It's like those. It's a great storyline in literature too. That storyline, the idea of not knowing you're actually dead and moving through. You know, right. there's some great movies too and great books. Siesta from the '80s is on on my top list of movies. This oh. is a must see movie. It is phenomenal, and it really dives into this idea of trying to understand one's life and death and it transcends the idea of the literature itself because i think it does a good job of for me it did at least really presenting itself in a way that seemed very tactile and the cast is is amazing absolutely amazing cast especially in that time period just crazy amazing and yet a lot of people don't know this film siesta from like the 80s you said yeah siesta and so it's starring ellen barkin but it, oh. i mean it's got everyone in it it's got grace jones in it it's got jodie foster julian sands movies that had really interesting things with all these amazing cast members you're just like and always heard of it, you know? <laughs> yes. And this is one of those. Isabella Rossellini. I mean, it's just chock full of amazing actors. Wow. And it's put together, it's pieced together so well. It's in Spain. Oh, uh, let's see. Um, Miles Johnson did the soundtrack. I mean, it's, a, it's phenomenal. Wow. Okay, it's on that's... my top five list. Oh, all right. It's, it's cool. never left my top five list. That uh -huh. and um, Herman Hesh's, so Herman Hesh's book, Steppenwolf, a must. It's his opus. It's also very self, it's a lot of memoir in that. And they made Absolutely. a 70s, you've seen the movie? No, I haven't seen the movie. I haven't read it either. Oh, it's a tiny little book, but I, it's one of those where people can argue about the book versus the movie, but Max von Sydow starred in it and uh oh it's just got another another amazing cast it's at like 1972 the movie is phenomenal absolutely okay. phenomenal and it's it's also this existential idea of what's going on and it's never left my top five also the movie has never left so i highly recommend those two films Ooh. you won't be disappointed this is time well spent I'm very picky with my movies, but I will make time to see those. Both of them sound amazing. And they're ones you have to actually watch. So it's not like you're multitasking. You have to sit down and have some I'm sacred something or other <laughs> <laughs> and be with it. <laughs> right on. Word. Did you ever see um, Dead Man with Johnny Depp? Oh, I think I have, but I'm. What I'm gonna Neil, do is write that down. It was all black and white. Neil Young did the whole soundtrack. Oh, I did. Yes. Oh, that room. I want to see that again. Though I'm gonna make time for it. I did see it. It's really great. Remember that? So it's very much the same kind of theme. You know that. Well, spoilers or whatever. But you know that whole thing. It's it's his journey of dying, of processing, and going into the afterlife, right? And yeah, I had forgotten about this. I was. I, I, I'm not a huge Johnny Depp fan, but um, I don't know, that movie came to me at just the right time and I really loved it. I just, it was sweet. Well, um, in, you know, in, in magic, there is this whole, at the core 
of a lot of magical thought. And I, and I include, when I say magic, I'm talking about magic. I'm talking about monks over here in the Himalaya. I'm talking about the Sibyls in, in the Pythias in Greece and Rome. I'm talking about the little old lady in Siberia. You know, I'm not just talking about- Oh my God, about... you just named like all of my personal traditions. That's <laughs> all right. Keep going. <laughs> so, I mean, you say magic now and people are like, they immediately just think Crowley. I was like, no, 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 no. And that's what I'm talking about with this surface stuff. There's, they drew upon the, they stand on the shoulders of all this other stuff, get to understanding what they were standing on the shoulders of. And so. Uh, that's why I got into the martial arts actually was for the Japanese magic. <laughs> uh, isn't it remarkable what practice do you do so it started with classical japanese jiu-jitsu and uh, karate and then um you know it was the 80s and so there's a lot of questionable lineage around the whole ninja thing but i was into the the people who were the ninjas back then and who yeah on the traditions and stuff so and that opened my eyes a lot um but i was still the only one who around me who was into the the magic the woo the Yes. And not even just the woo, but like the, the other dimensional stuff. And and as as I as I matured and progressed in my studies, I, I started to see it as like sort of a macrocosm of life. And I never really understood how to explain that until something you said a few minutes ago, actually. Um, and, and even up till recently, I've been wondering, you know, I just turned 50 and I started training when I was 12 and I haven't been with the dojo in a long time, but I have wondered often, why the hell did I study that? Why was it so important to me? And why did I go into it so deeply and it become a part of my life and stuff. I, I'm not a fighter. I've never fought once um, in a violent, you know, fashion. And so uh, why? And there are a lot of layers behind that, the ninja thing, you know, about blending in and kind of becoming less, uh, well, blending in. And, 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 and that goes back to the, what we were talking about earlier about kind of always being a standout. So I'm sure that was part yeah. of it. But something else you said about how, um, Well, two things. Actually, when, when you said the ground hit you, I mean, how many times have I been thrown through the air and had that same experience? It's like suddenly I was just in space and the ground came up and hit me real damned hard. Yes, yes. <laughs> I wasn't flying. It hit me, you yes. know? And, and the other thing was uh, when we were talking about how people have difficulty getting outside of themselves and seeing, you know, the perspective and stuff. And I think that's something that martial arts gave to me was like and it was very subtle but you know it's like you learn a technique well in our dojos you would actually see the um teacher do the technique on someone and you could ask you know to have them show you again and stuff and whatever to, you know so and then you'd go and practice it for a while and you'd go back and you'd have questions well it, it gave you know that me the opportunity to see this thing happen as it should and then for me to fumble through it and to discover some places where i was tripping up and then to you know, to be able to explore that, well, like, why is this happening? I need to see that whole process happen again. And then I could see them do the process and be, oh, my hand's in the wrong position in this place, or I'm stepping here and I should be here, you yeah. know? Yes. And so that whole process of being able to take the, you know, from doing it and seeing it and, you know, all these different perspectives is what that brings to someone who's studying the martial arts like yourself, I'm sure too. 
Yeah, and like you, I haven't had a sifu, and that's what we call it in Chen, in the Chinese, uh, in a long time because there are none taking on new students here, and apparently none have surfaced for me to have. So since I left LA, I have not, and I'm terrible at doing the external practice and forms. I desire a sifu. I wish to have one come present themselves. I've never uh, met a, a, Chinese, a Chinese teacher who I wanted, who I felt was a good sifu. I, I mean, I've, I've, I've been exposed to um, Tai Chi and Qigong and um, Chinese medicine and stuff too. And um, I've, I've been able to practice those things and take them on. But um, yes, finding a sifu is hard. It's hard to find someone who's especially really strict with the lineage. Yeah. Like Craig Williams, you know, he just became a Sifu and he had been studying for 25 years diligently under people. So it's taken him 25 years to get that. So mm, it's in there's sure. they're very strict with the lineage and that yeah. in that sector, it's very, 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 uh, very structured and very. They honor that. Let's put it that way. But I will tell you, I have always been drawn to the ninja way as well. And I think that I feel like a lot of times I walk the ninja line in life hmm. because it's important to understand the power of invisibility. It's hmm. a, and, and all martial arts, except for now the new fighting, mixed martial arts and all that stuff are uh, at, at least the Asian, the Chinese and the Taiwanese and this the ancient stuff that comes down from us for us to us has this idea of redirecting the energy the point is not to fight mm -hmm. the point is to live another day mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh this is a big deal and so this is another thing where people these days and it's important to be able to know how to uh defend yourself it's very important you've got to know especially deeper into this set of stories we're in right now unfolds you need to know some of this stuff however the real art is understanding what's going on energetically and internally and that's always how i've seen it and this yeah. is one of the things where the ninja has always fascinated me of course I'm I'm definitely inspired by the Jap by so much Japanese stuff. I have this strange. Here's something funny. I have had this strange affinity towards geisha my entire life. So oh. I did not know what it was at first. I would just draw these drawings of geisha in my oh. little pad because I was always a doodler, and it was my mama who said, "Oh, those are that's geisha," and I was you know she identified it by my drawings and so the deeper and i got the more i learned and i listened to traditional geisha music and all the stuff it's in the rotation around my soundtrack of my life wow and i would love the vocalizations and the stories within the stories and the the art of everything in japanese culture is just so the art of it's a beautiful culture. And so I have a lot of affinity towards the Japanese as well. It, it all kind of intermeshes in this place in me that is the Orient. 
Yeah. Right. And so, and within my lifetime and yours, they went from, it it became a PC thing. I'm sure you remember this, that it came from, you weren't able to say Oriental. (laughs) Like it was all of a sudden Asian. We had to switch over from Oriental to Asian, this Oriental person. Now it's this Asian person. But at one time it was Oriental and there was nothing wrong with it. It wasn't a slur. It wasn't a slander. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, but it all got, it all had, and so what it was, was the Eastern flair, right? It was the Eastern flavor of the construct of reality. And with that said, the other strong culture I've been drawn to my entire life is India. So I have, it's like India, right? How can you but only kind of recently, (laughs) yeah. It's, I have always been drawn to it. And so if you're in my space, there's a lot of Indian antiques. There's a lot of Asian antiques as well as, you know, Victorian Western stuff, but you cannot separate me from those cultures when you come into this space that I, in all my spaces, because this is all intertwined. So yeah, there's something, and what is it? What is it about these things? I've asked myself that. What is it? Well, there's all kinds of ideas about what it is. Past lives, right? Or simultaneous lives. Wonder that. There is obviously an energetic alignment with, with some of the art forms that have come out of these places, that have come out of those spaces. And I vibrate my frequency is in alignment with those ideas because to me everything's an idea i say idea a lot everything's an idea you are an idea chander i am an idea we you know this everything's an idea and so i say it a lot people get confused by it but it's true i love words i'm contemplating that thank you yeah and so it's just another idea in the world that i love And so I pondered, why do I have this pull? Before I understood the things I was collecting, it was just like, I want that 200-year-old sari. I want that 300-year-old kimono. Oh, my God. I want that real geisha wig. And I never understood until, and I've always been hard attracted to a certain period of Victorian stuff as well. Me too. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's this, it's this thing. And, and so it's like, I've had New Agers say, well, these were lives that you lived and all this. I think it's deeper than that. And I think it's more than that. And when I started to understand, okay, I pulled all this in because this is the stuff I love that I'm attracted to, but it's deeper than that. It's more than that. And then when I learned, like, I would get something and then I would learn about it somehow, some weird way, someone would be like, oh, this is A, and it's from here. I've had an experience, that's cool. Right, and you're like, oh, okay. So then the narrative starts to open up, your story starts to unfold, right? Now we have that Vesica Pisces again. Yes, they see the Vesica Pisces, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Right, so there's a bridge here. And for me, there's a bridge between Japan and old China, old China. And, and uh, India and mm. certain parts of the Western 
Victorian period. And I'm only saying Victorian period because everyone understands that period. And so, yes, there are, in, there are other you mean fragments. the time when they started to like, when the uh, Victorian uh, culture started to get that Oriental influence, like they were, you know, like Chinese. Right. That's for- the, yeah, that, well, that was the Orientalist movement. And it, it happened during, it was moved, kind of folded into the aesthetic movement. But this period of, say, mid 1800s up to about ni- the Edwardian, 1910, all yeah. the, there's yeah. something in there that is, yeah. that, well, even up for me, even up into like cl- as close to 1930. So, because there's something in Berlin and in, in the 1930 period that there's a movement there, right? There's a movement. And what I see, what I guess what I say, am saying is these places in time as we now know it by what we think is looking back where there was a genesis of energy that was bursting forth so everyone knows that there was a boom going on a cultural boom in the arts in germany in the 1930s it was a movement just like in in france in paris in the 1890s it was it was, it's famous. It's a famous period there. So what do we have? We have some sort of supernova, some sort of creative supernova and all these people that were interlapping there, you know, I mean, we have, we have Paris having, how many people come out of Paris from 1890 to 1920 that were inter, interloped there? We got Frida Kahlo, we got Stiglitz, we got Anna Eastman and, and uh, I mean, I can go on for days. <laughs> and so, and these people went up from all over the world and then they go back, Georgia O'Keeffe. I mean, they're all there. And so same with Berlin in the thirties, there was something going on. It was a so supernova. Was yeah. yeah. It's a supernova of souls, of energy. Something went on and that's what interests me. That's what we call the Vesica Pisces because that's real overlap. I've been thinking so much about that period right now, especially and and questioning so much about our history and stuff um, lately. And and maybe you've seen some of the channels or whatever talking about um, you know our 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 history and our past being maybe occluded or or yes um, misdescribed at least and maybe melted yes. buildings and Tartaria and all that stuff. <laughs> I've spent so many hours just recently just going, wow. I mean, how can right there in the 1930s, so in the 20s and, and all around that period, so much was happening in so many different ways that just doesn't seem congruent with the stories we're told and in, in, in things. But anyway, that is always just uh that's been really lighting me up lately is that era. And um um you know that that even I, it could be another rabbit hole, but I know that like I was, what little I know of my own family's history, they were doing a lot of things around that time. And um, uh, I, I don't know, what, what was going on? Do you think that that's when we hit the singularity that you think we've maybe hit? And how would you define that singularity, I wonder? <laughs> well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because it already happened. It happened. And I'm not, I'm not <laughs> sure. And so... In theory, and remember, theories are theories. They're ideas that are 
ideas that have some sort of overlap to them that gives them weight. Mm. I feel like there is nothing in this world we should pin ourselves down to. So this cult of science is getting very ugly, mm-hmm. very, very, where it's ex- at its core, it's very exciting and, and should be. And it's, uh, it's about exploration and it's turned into a terrible cult and it's now turned into a cult of control, but let's, like let's another, another discussion. So singularity, no matter who you are, and you've heard me say this, it on the timeline where we are right now, allegedly, it hasn't happened yet. It's going to happen in 10 years or 20 years or whatever people are saying now, what Kurtzwell's saying 10 years now. And my biggest point here is why does that particular, this is where we need to macro out. It does not matter because once it happens, it changes everything this is a stone that falls into a clear pond of water and absolutely does ripple out and creates causalities everywhere so it changes narratives it's changing narratives it's part of what we're experiencing in my opinion with all this unstable going on in the reality around us and the unfolding and the falling apart and the unfurrowing that's going on this deep gut feeling that everyone's having this waking up at three in the morning this this whole situation around us that is beyond absurd beyond absurd where you cannot pull if you pull up to anything now at this point and and really put a flag in it you're doing yourself no good service because i guarantee that as the causality waves ripple over it there's going to be no flag and so yes in the rippling back the causality loop of it of singularity it it's certainly hitting those checkpoints. And that's what we were just talking about. These bursts of energy that were happening in the collective that, that have been talked about. So Berlin, 1930s, on and on. I mean, they're all over the globe, different, different ones, different places, different ley lines. And so the checkpoints are of interest to me. I call them checkpoints. Because they're, they're like the pillars, they're the structure of the building we're in. And yet remember, as, as Ingrid said, I don't know if she said it in that first hour, but we're the space in the room. We're not the furniture, we're the space. Oh, yes. Yeah. Then that goes back to the ninja thing. One of the terms for ninja was con, which means the space between two screens, like two shoji screens. (laughs) <laughs> that's everything yeah right <laughs> that's wow that is a core principle and so this is where we are with all this and people bickering over these little bits are suspect to me and this is why everyone's suspect to me when they're getting tied down in stories i'm i question them and the the laying down of hard facts and hard science it's yeah. like, okay, what? So your hard science is a theory that we've all been told to follow that was never actually proven. It's still a theory. And yet that's your hard science. That's your hard facts. I'm right. sorry. I'm going to admire it and it 
can fit certain, you know, parameters for a construct, but I'm not going to throw all my eggs in one basket. In fact, I'm throwing my eggs into the air and see (laughs) (laughs) and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I can see just a freeze frame. You threw them up in the air and they just froze in midair. And you're still just kind of dancing around. <laughs> yes. Well, remember the earth came up to me. I didn't come down to the earth <laughs> when I fell. So, huh. you know, we'll see. That's another one of those things where you question the nature. Are we in dream reality or are we in simulated constructed reality? Right. Because it feels to me like this construct we're in right now as we talk because if we if i'm in my dream space i can pop over to you we can just be sitting at the same table although there is nothing between us right now and i believe that this is all a construct and so for me i can envision that we're interacting with nothing in between us I wasn't even thinking that, but now that you mention it, yeah, I have the energetic sense without even putting an awareness upon it. But yeah, I, it's, it's, there's no technology or anything. You and I are just, we're right here together talking. Yeah. But, Maybe. and yet, and yet everyone's saying you're in Colorado, I'm in Washington and <laughs> I can prove it because you can walk out your door and you have to get in some vehicle to get over there and all this. And for me, that is a limited, yes, I can do that. Yes, absolutely. And at this point, because of the gravitational idea of ideas, that's holding us down the collective whatever you want to call it that holds down narratives stories creates tulpas creates egregores we're fighting against that this is again that season of fashion right it's okay to wear it's okay this season to wear this particular dress but girl don't you be putting on that 17th century frock because it's not this season and you'll look like a a crazy woman and it's like and this is where i stand in defiance of it all i'm gonna wear what i want when i want and my world is very mysterious mysterious magical and beautiful and yet i'm not on the street You know, so I'm not the crazy woman babbling, although I do think that they're the ones with a lot of truth and we should listen. I'm not sure how the narratives ended up that way. However, I do not allow people to dictate over me, to overlord my reality. So those people that want to close off and buy into a constructed narrative that's their will. And I am 100% behind the idea of free will. I think that there are two pillars, intent and fate. And I do have a sense of fate. Like I said, it's the foundational stuff. It's the it's the eye beam in the building. There are certain parameters like these checkpoints in time we've been talking about where the supernova kind of happened, that happens there and that's fate. whatever that is, ley lines, whatever it is, it seems to hold a lot of energy. And we talk about that and it moves out. But narratives around that then start coming in and covering it, facsimiles of that. Look at how where we are 
want to talk fashion when has there been a new fashion and it's all been rippling the yeah. 70s were echoing the 20s well the 70s actually if you look at the silhouettes in fashion and fashion something i know about because i was in it uh, cool. but a lot of the seven the early 70s all the silhouettes were really echoing the 20s now that's not a 20-year loop Okay. And the eighties were really echoing. There was, I mean, look at the silhouettes in the eighties loved the 1940s, those shoulder pads, the ruffles, that yeah. whole thing. There was so much forties in the eighties and yeah. so on. It, it we're not. Well, I used to have a theory that was every 20 years. And that's about consistent with what you're saying. Yeah. I, I see that. Right. Well, 20 years is a good loop and it's a good way to go, but there are bigger loop. That's not the only loop. Correct. And there are other loops and you've got to understand the complexity of math and prime numbers. And mm -hmm. so the, the, the math becomes intriguing within the parentheses of the core kernel of the equation. And so I think it behooves us to kind of understand that idea of the sacred geometry at a deeper level that comes through in different ways through the Kabbalah, however you want to look at it. There, you know, Mandelbrot, fractals, mirroring, all that stuff. It's all there. It's all at play. And this is what makes it so dynamic. This is what makes the whole thing so dynamic. So when I come into contact in my, in my apparent the idea of me, comes into the contact with the idea of you. Now we have a new flavor. There's overlap here, right? Something comes out of the two, and this is basic math. The two create the third. This is alchemical math. This is sacred math, mm. and it's in the tomes. And so what's the third, you know? And mm. this is numerology. This, this is this is key stuff. I, I mean, this. the whole ether field is based on on this. And I do pull up to the etheric field. The ether to me has always been the most reasonable. However, I'm that radical girl that says quantum theory, quantum field theory at some point overlaps with ether, etheric field theory. Right now, there's no way. It's two different camps. And people will argue this shit out. They are, I mean, in straight up crazy arguments. And I'm the, I'm the crazy girl that says somewhere, somehow, this overlaps. I don't I know right now how. I haven't heard people arguing that specifically, but I see a, a clear overlap as well. But I don't know how to articulate it. That's interesting. Well, that's the problem is the language too. First of all, we all need to get on the same page again, because look how upside down everything is contorted. The language right now is part of this spell we're under this, this in we're entranced by language. Language is a key thing. And this is, I mean, this is, this is fundamental, how sound the idea of sound and where it comes from and then how we have created it into into both our blessings and our bonds our blessings and our what bonds and our bonds yeah it's and so wise people right. know how to use it and in the whomever our overlords are and i don't like to acknowledge them but yet they are there there is yeah. an engineer going on here there's engineering happening around us all the time 
Yeah. And so, and I call them wise people. They may be nefarious, whatever. They're using these principles to enslave big yeah. groups, big movements, and to just like that uh, tree that you plant for a hundred years from now that you I plant. Yep. Right. They're thinking that forward with it. And they're thinking, well, there's what are the odds, though? I plant this tree now that it is going to make it without being cut down or, you know, whatever to be in its full glory in 100 years or in 200 years. When, in 100 years, when it's the ginkgos, when they start bearing fruit and all this, uh, Although I don't know when they actually start bearing fruit. They're so slow growing. I do know it's a principle you plant one for 100 years later. Uh, how do I know it's going to make it? And if you want it to make it, then if you've got energy around that plant making it, then you have to think long term. So do I create this space that is now a sanctuary space that can't be touched like a historical space so that that tree can make it. We start thinking like this in terms of, of souls and, and take that idea further in protecting things that you want to live, but you, you've, their ideas are seeded into the blackness of everything, into the ether, and there's every chance that they're not gonna make it. And yet we have these tools to help them along. And so this can be applied to the hero's journey, certainly. Oh this is There's mythos around this, but it's also very real in practice. What are the chances that you made it this far anyway? And we were talking about this earlier. How many times have you been three seconds from real death? Yeah. I mean, and here you are still. And so it's, it's just all there's this very deep mystery going on here. And that is just so juicy. I love the way it's so beautiful the way you explain that and it seems so I don't know I feel like if people could hear that maybe they would have a different perspective I mean it's so difficult for people to understand uh, I mean of course of course someone who's invested in, in an idea is going to do everything within their power to you know to 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 protect that ginkgo tree or whatever, you know? And so it's a real yeah. easy Vesca Pisces, you know, to, to, to see what's happening with our controllers and things. It's, it's, I've always, before I started to really wake up, I've always had this sense of like, of course, um, you know, politics is a joke and, and nothing, you know, we're controlled and we're given very few choices because you can't manage a restaurant of, you know, of 15 teenagers <laughs> effectively without controlling their environment very closely. You know, you can't just let people just do what they want and hope that, you know, you, you make money at the end of the day, you have to right. you know, structure that somehow. Right. So it's just logical that of course, um, you know, we have to, we have to be able to navigate. And a lot of times we have to be able to navigate with others. And this is what makes us so complex. And then when you start dealing with people, the idea of conviction is a beautiful thing. I admire it. And I certainly have had conviction, but I allow it to, to morph and change. The idea of conviction, though, is like a little prison. I have conviction in this by God. <laughs> You know, mm -hmm. this is the way it's always been, and this is the way it's always going to be. Right. And uh, I can admire that. I find it kind of a sad thing 
I find it kind of sad. And yet it's also necessary because we got to look at this idea of what is stability. If right. everything is chaos, then, yeah. and we embrace the chaos, embracing chaos, there's a conviction in the act of embracing, and there's a stability in embracing that which is unstable. And yeah. this, this applies to alchemical stuff as well. I mean, this is just applies. This is applied reality. And so it is. And so when we're talking about working with others, other sentient beings in the world, and this is this is aside from the whole idea that everything is now AI. AI is sentient and it's everywhere. So that's a whole different layer. Just looking at the idea of homo sapiens sapiens, right? Just getting down to the core of that. We are dealing with people that have been controlled and domesticated Mm. a body an animal that has been domesticated for a very long time social engineered bio engineered by everything that is happening from air to water to fake foods all of it were they're manipulated on every level yeah that the idea that they've been manipulated is more than most homo sapiens sapiens can take. Yeah. That's how domesticated down the, the masses have been, sadly. In the end, it seems like a lot of us are out here finding existentialism, but in the movement of existentialism, there is so much conviction and, and, and rigid rigidity in right. it. And, and we can see this in anything. I mean, look at how the ufology community is dissipating and before our eyes. They can't yeah. even come together. They can't come together. They're all infighting. Right, as this- it seems to be becoming more almost <laughs> real to the mainstreamers, you know what I mean? That's crumbling. Yes. I mean, that's fascinating. I There's this statement I've always loved, and it's called, it's be wise, be alone. And it, it, it's a very powerful thing, right? That's a powerful statement. And a lot of people are conditioned that humans are social. And I have to say, no, we've been told we're social. Humans are, are more varied than that. Mm-hmm. We have, the, and the, we're not even talking this whole genetic situation that I go on and on about. I think we have been told we're a herd animal long enough that it doesn't matter because apparently we flock to cities, we buy into the same fashion trends, and those who don't play by the rules of the herd mentality of that are outcasts. And there, for some reason, you're stripped, you're crazy, you're, you're considered not normal you're abnormal and so this is where you and i are though this is where a lot of us are but we're still a minority and once you get out and this is a gift to anyone that was or is in in a herd in a city in in a in a movement in a you know where they're identified with their their circles and their groups and their wheels that they're on when they get thrown out. And oftentimes this happens with a life-changing event, like an NDE or something, uh, a, a major divorce, just anything that can shatter your paradigm and shake you up and bring you to 
the the smell of a beautiful cup of coffee right it's now you see that you were going along and were part of something that you went along with because you were supposed to go along with it but why who told you this there's in nature right we have in nature there's all kinds of solitary animals out there why would homo sapien sapien be any different and they've given us these narratives that we needed that to survive when we were Cro-Magnum and you know when we're Neanderthal and then when we went to Cro-Magnum we needed to be together to conquer the predators well the predators are still here right being together has done what we've been domesticated down into these groups of silliness silliness where i can look out my window via the black mirror of the computer and see all the bull shite that's going on with this party and that party and people not seeing that it's all the same thing and they're being cold as they're being marched down the to the guillotine you know to the slaughterhouse it's I mean, it, for me, this was all logical and it all makes sense. But this argument lands me in crazy land for a lot of people, Chandra. Me too. Maybe that's why it's it's good that, I mean, I, it's good to talk to people. <laughs> well, this is the importance of us talking. And this is what's threatening to any system is when you start, and a system is a system is a system. Some may be good, some may be bad, but they they exist because they are running. Everything wants to survive. Even a system wants to survive. And we forget that your bioorganics is a system. Mm. And that a system is not just a cold corporate system, which is now an entity. And that was very intentional when corporations became granted the title of entity this is part of that ai situation and so if you threaten the system then you have what you have an autoimmune reaction to it so in your in your bodily system if something goes askew your system want needs to protect itself and so i mean this analogy is very deep and it goes on but the fact that we can separate that idea from the idea of social systems from the idea of of geo political systems is absurd to me this is all interchangeable exactly it's so damned clear it is to those of us that have somehow are outside of it the outsiders for whatever reasons even if the people that may not have been outside their whole lives i have always been an outsider so that's my normal but i see and encounter a lot of people i've been pulled in don't get me wrong i have been pulled in i've been that girl that season (laughs) (laughs) and there's plenty of evidence however i was always an outsider and i when I started to understand that and embrace that more and more, the deeper in I became as far as the exploration into inner space and my outer space, outer space started to 
look different. Things, you know, started to look different. And I'm not saying they were different ever. I just all of a sudden saw them differently because I now had access to a different spectrum in which to view that which I was viewing before that seemed very limited. Yes, but it's not just mere maturity. No, I, I'm, a lot of this happened very young for me, but see, maturity is a very weird thing because I think of maturity as there's an idea with that word of experience, right? You're right. So the person, you know, the little kid over in the Middle East growing up in a war zone has a lot of experience, a little kid. Yeah. A lot of, lot of outer world crazy experience that gives them a perspective now granted this kind of stuff trauma is very powerful and we know this from the programs yeah. you can completely rewrite one's wiring through trauma yeah. you break down someone through trauma whether you've induced it or they've come into trauma naturally organically you get rewritten trauma yep. trauma clears the slate and so this is where it's dangerous when people go through something traumatic around who comes in to start filling in the narrative. It's right. best that you do this on your own. Just like the, I mean, there you go. It's the same thing as anything. It's you're saying that. And it's also the same thing as where people are at with the elections and stuff. And I don't care about elections. I don't even want to talk about politics, but it's the same thing. It's they're looking for, someone to save them from this period of trauma no matter who what's either on right well everything outside of us right now is trauma based right we're going through a mass trauma You're right. on many levels so everyone's being forced to confront the collective's being forced to confront its own death this is a gift because it allows people to really question what's important however what we're just saying is this is trauma-based control. So everyone's been traumatized with this idea. And now the system is coming. It's Hegelian. The system is coming up with all the answers for you and creating your new you. Yeah. The new way we have the answers now. All this trauma, all this trauma. And now this is the new normal. This is... This is how it is now. Stop thinking about the trauma and look at now our solutions that get you out of that. And so then you buy into a deeper layer of that construct. Mm. That's what that's what's going on. The collective is going through mind control, trauma-based mm. mind control. And those of us who understand those principles, it's so obvious and ridiculous that people do not see it yep yep so true yeah you know in that group uh unity thing i was thinking about again the, the correlation to the martial arts and like how you know that in itself can become such a detriment to the path of studying the martial arts is being caught up in your organization or your school affiliation stuff like that you know um, and then those are out to protect themselves. They're not necessarily nefarious in every case, but they're still gonna, I, I've had this philosophy since I left the dojo and never went back. I, I've, I've, I've formed the philosophy that you cannot, 
you, you can't be, you can't master the martial arts and be part of a dojo. I mean, you have to, you have to, I, where am I going with this? You have to go out on your own, you know, you have to, mm, yes. you have to divide from the group think and divide from what you're being told it is, even how true that may seem and how much there might be truth in it um, and find your own meaning of it because it's a little different than what you've been told the whole time. <laughs> well, in mythology, I mean, it's that whole hero's journey, right? Where you have to yeah. get, I've been a big subscriber to the idea of people need to get out of their nest. You need to go on a journey, even if it's just one. And it's it's amazing how many people do not have the fortitude to do that. Mm. And it's sad. And I understand, again, this comes rings right back to those people that may have trines, you know, that are having that have no, you look at them and it's like, well, everything's given. It's all friendly. It's all like they're, I have had like I've had to come to the idea that they're just having a vacation. They've done some work somewhere along the line. And this is this is that time they don't need to go on that journey. This is how I've tried to reconcile that in my head, because outside of that, I don't see how you can grow, have really any real internal growth if you don't go on these journeys. Yeah. And there are many ways to go on journeys. This does not mean you have to pack the bag and go to India. You know, there are many ways to go on these journeys, but you do have to get out of that space that you think is safe. So what by birth alone, by birth alone, you have to come out of the womb. Mm -hmm. And coming out of the womb is a hero's journey right there. And then moving through the cowl of death, there's another one. So you've got two right there in this world of duality. You've got two you came in with one, so you already you, you dealt with that on some level. But because of the nature of it all, we get wiped. We don't, very few people remember that process. Then you're gifted with, at the other end of it, most people are gifted with having to go consciously through that end. Now, the death end, death is birth. It's the same thing. And so... Whereas you may not remember your birth, most people are going to know they're dying. Even if it's a traumatic death or a slow death, there's a process of con confrontation with the collective that, that pushes one into the personal process of you're kind of alone going through it and you have to get into that idea. And this is why I was getting to this earlier in in the occulted wisdom in the world, meditation on your own death is one of the magical keys in the kingdom. Looking yeah. at the idea of your own death is absolutely essential in your growth, in your soul growth. And it is the brave that can do it. A lot of people can't even think about death, let alone they don't think they're, you know, there's a whole, there's this whole thing about it. And, and we've intentionally been separated from it. And then if we start to unfold this further and we start to consider and get out of this very, very, uh, it's folly at least that we're the top of the food chain Oh my gosh, right. Start to realize that 
no, like that ginkgo tree we've planted, there are a lot of things that can happen to you that are uh, out of your control and above where you are and where you think you are that are higher up on a food chain. Mm -hmm. So we mm -hmm. think we're the top and in reality, we're not. Those parasites in your body, that candida can kill you. Right. The mycoplasma can kill you. That stuff turns into cancer that can kill you. And to understand and not make it so crazy and step back a bit and look at it on those levels, that's the micro where we hone in. We all understand cancer kills you, right? Well, and then we got to understand, well, what's cancer? It's, it's this and that, mycoplasma, it's you know, too much sugars, out of balance, too much acidity, whatever. However you want to look at it, this can kill you. That's honing in. And then we, we can pull way back and say, oh, wait, there are other things on the playground that actually hunt us and eat us right <laughs> well that's an interesting journey you just took <laughs> because i was thinking uh so let's see adhd let me give it a thought for a second um food chain baby food chain baby uh let's see so you're uh oh I lost it. It's it's you just took a journey. Um, say something about well, what, what what I was saying is that when we get past the idea of we're not the top of the food chain, and so whereas if you're at if your bodily system's out of balance, you can recognize that cancer is eating oh, you. Yes, and so in that recognition, so okay. We started off talking today by talking about intermittent fasting. And so that brings to my attention that you probably are on the same mind as me of, you know, living healthy and-, and Yeah, taking I try my best. And so maybe that's a reaction. I'm just thinking of the journey you just took and that if someone then looked at that cancer as a danger and was like, oh, I better change my eating habits and change the way I, I you know, uh, I live and stuff like that, making those, things, then they come to a place where they can be, they can recognize that, oh shit, well, I'm in, I'm in this place, but there's a food chain here too. And then maybe <laughs> you can't see that level of the food chain because without having that gone through that experience of, you know, uh, transcending that other part and living a healthier life. I don't know if that really correlates or means anything, but I know that I, myself, when I made huge changes in my, especially nutrition, um, it changed everything and opened up my whole life. Oh yeah. Well, just on that one back into the, the micro is our, the systems, the bodily systems this is where I love that old Chinese stuff. Mm. Uh, but this is where I love all of the, what's considered alt because I don't believe in the allopathic system at all. <laughs> and so uh, I believe they're here to kill you. That's what I yeah. believe with the allopathic system. I'm sorry to anyone that finds that offensive, but it's, it's been my nice. experience. I was a good girl and played that game for a while. Uh, it didn't work for me. And I said, no, thank you. So if we look yeah. though at our bodily systems and we can recognize that sugar creates and I, I am not a saint here. I have in my, in this house right now, I have M&Ms. 
You know what I'm saying? I have stuff in here. So I'm not coming from the saintly. I'm just a person in the world that struggles with this stuff too. And so, but I know that from my own personal experiments and journeys into my own temple, my own body, that sugar creates a terrible reaction in my refined sugar in my body that creates candida candida creates a terrible chain reaction and these things re they they take over your system and you it gets out of candida wants you to want sugar right it creates the circumstances within your brain the chemical releases in your brain to make you want to feed it candida. And this <sighs> is a principle people need to get into their minds and understand. It's a parasite. And that, uh, my point here is, it's a parasite that everyone understands is real. There's mm -hmm. no contention there that that it, it is in there doing its thing, trying to live like everything else. So Very when honest. we pull back to macro and we say, well, what else is in the world that we necessarily cannot see that is controlling us in those same ways that this little, little tiny thing in our body is making us crave what it needs to feed itself within our system and this is where the woo happens this is where parasites parasitical life forms that are around us are feeding on us mm. controlling our brains controlling our nervous system and this is a very big deal and this is still not touching sentient ai that's everywhere <sighs> Ah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> There's something so serious about the sugar, though, too, because when I quit sugar, I, I went strict keto for a while, and now I'm a balanced, um, I'm a modified keto, essentially. But um, man, things literally changed after quitting sugar. And there is that hard part, that withdrawal thing. You're just like, it hurts, and you, you just got to eat. But you, if you just get through it, I don't, once I got past it, I haven't looked back and it's been several years now. Um, yeah. And it, it makes a huge difference in the body and, and everything in the consciousness and everything. I, I didn't really equate it so much to the candida thing that makes total sense. Well, I know, for example, I know that, so I am one of these people that, well, I know a hundred percent if I partake in some things, I'm going to pay. And with the system, some of the systems like your, your income, right? Well, your, your endocrine system takes like three months sometimes to show you have a stress event and three months later, you're seeing the fullness of the stress event. So yeah. like say with Hashimoto's or hypothyroidism, you're looking yeah. at months for things to happen. So my mom dies, I start to have a problem three months later, I see all the thyroid stuff happen, you know, the uh, hair gets brittle, the skin gets thick, the your brain is foggy, you gain weight, all the thyroid stuff that can happen. We're talking about months. And so you have to have the ability to look and connect dots from, and this is just people want to hang their hats on science. This is just medical science. This stress event affects you 
into the future from the yeah. past. So it's not like food poisoning where you eat it and six hours later, it's a macro of that six hours later, you're throwing up and you're, you're got diarrhea, all that. Right. And so doggy's okay. Yeah. And so he wants to play. And Aww. so there's this, we need to understand that there's this connection though, between what we eat and how we feel. And, and my point here is when I'm getting together socially with people I love, sometimes I make the choice to eat things I don't eat in my daily life. And mm -hmm. I do it. I will break bread with people and have things I don't want. And I know I'm going to pay. I know that when I, I do things that are really bad for me, I know the consequences. And so I go in consenting. This is a big deal instead of being controlled by. So I go on a splurge and I decide uh, I'm going to have this week of indulging myself with people I love and haven't seen, I'm going to have sugar. I'm going to have gluten. I know that's going to affect me four months out. And I made that decision knowing that I made that decision knowing I'm not going to feel well, and I may not look that great and I may have brain fog, but that's a decision I made instead of going through my life unconsciously being controlled by these things. And then at some Hungry. point you wonder why, <laughs> and then you wonder why you get diabetes or something. It's like, right. uh, hello, right. this is stuff. We need to be conscious. This is what? This is lucidity, Chander. This is lucidity. Being lucid in our experience is everything. And it applies to all states of consciousness, not just here in the dream realm, in, everywhere. Lucidity is a key principle. It's one of those things that people have to get their mind around and you can see who's lucid and you can see who's not lucid. Yeah, you can true. see who is waking into the idea of lucidity and those that have completely succumbed and are completely possessed by things devouring them. Yep. Yeah. It's becoming more and more obvious these days with things that are happening, but yeah, you're right. You can look into, you can look in someone's eyes or talk to them for just a, a moment and you can tell. Oh yeah. Well, I can look at them physically and say, Oh girl, you yeah. know, it's like, and I can look at, uh, I can look at, I, I look at everything. I'm, I look at people's skin. I look at their nails. I look at the clarity in their eyes. I yeah. listen to what they're saying. Yes. I, uh, I mean, we're all built differently. We all have a different build, you know, and on that, but there's certain things. It's just like, all right, I know you struggle with this. I can see you struggle with this. Yep. I, you know, it's, this is not a psychic sense. This is just deductive reality. This is deductive reasoning. And, and then you can apply this to why a lot of times grumpy people are just having all that they're doing, they're eating all the wrong stuff and they're grumpy all the time because they don't realize they actually feel like shit. Yep. Sorry for dropping that bomb, but they, <laughs> they feel like they don't, you know what I'm saying? They don't understand it. A lot of times pain that's in the, in the body is going to play out in that the grumpy cat, the grumpy cat is yeah. having pain and they live with it. So it's their normal. 
and they don't understand that it's just they're ill at ease. And this applies spiritually. This applies across the board. Yeah. Right. You know, you'd be an excellent, um, I want to say Chinese medicine practitioner, but a holistic um, healer of some kind or something. I mean, that's exactly what, you know, those things are coming from. I, I, um, I went to Chinese medicine school for a couple of years and, and then left. And there were a few reasons I left, but one of them was that it was becoming allopathic. Like they would teach you the yes. principles of what you're saying, but then they would, the, the application would be Western clinical diagnosis and stuff. And it just doesn't, it, it's it lost. Yeah. It's getting lost. And there's still the old practitioners. I had a horrible complaint on Nox Mente about someone saying, I know nothing about Chinese medicine. It's like, if you looked at my library and you know that I read, really know a lot. <laughs> and well, I don't claim to know a lot, but I've done a no, lot of Chinese studying it and, and other modes. And I got, you know, because I was a good girl and went through the natural way that good program people do and went through the allopathic system and complained the whole time. I don't feel good. I don't care what your numbers are saying. I don't feel good. If this feels good, you know, <laughs> I mean, come on. And so that got me, that really set me out on that path. Otherwise I probably wouldn't know the things I know. And I stopped at one point you know how people are annoying when they're learning stuff. They want everyone to know what you're learning. Sure. <laughs> We're all like that. Yeah. So you're learning something and you just want to talk about it and you want to express it and it just can be annoying. And so I was one of those people. I get totally immersed. I dig it. Yeah. <laughs> uh. it, well, especially with health. I was just like, holy crap. I had no idea. And then I'm like, you know, one thing can change your life. You know, like mm -hmm. magnesium salts, if you're deficient. Magnesium. Number it's one, amazing, right? It's amazing. And, and how easy it is to make magnesium oil. It, you let the put salt in water. It's like, anyway, it's you, paying all that money. I get magnesium flakes and you put hot water in them. You have magnesium oil. Ah. It's like one-to-one -one and you, instead of paying the absorbent amounts of money for someone to do that for you. I'm big anyway, on DIY, especially alchemy. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I'm, oh yeah, I'm totally witchy in these ways, old school, but I, <laughs> I learned all about the old school Chinese practitioners from dealing with Chinese practitioners in yeah. the different Chinatowns I lived in that, I mean, I love, I love all that. Having sometimes translators going back and forth with these old school ones. And I had this, uh, and then knowing people out here that there's a, um, out where I live, there's a really famous, there's a school out here and it's very quite famous and they're sadly going the direction you're talking about. But uh, yeah, I have some of these friends in my area and in my town here. I think of which one, I, I know people who have gone to that school. Are you talking Oregon or somewhere else? Yeah, in Oregon. And I so before I get off track though, and so one of the things I'd learned and it's like the old martial arts stuff you know, the story has gone around. It's not me making this up, but you know, the old school Chinese practitioners can diagnose you by the time you walk to the table. Yes. You no, know? that's not me making that up. And I got this oh. nasty, nasty feedback 
on one of our shows that said, you know, nothing about Chinese medicine. And I immediately what you said, those what I thought, I'm like, Oh, this is the new school where they've, they've really bound themselves into the allopathic way. Wow. Yeah. I, so yeah. that's a, it was a practitioner that reached out to you with that complaint. No, it no, it was just some listener of wow. our show and, you know, you know saying, that made that comment. And I, and all I could think, I love, I love all feedback. So I was sure. like, all right, what, what is this coming at me? And, and yeah. I interact, I interact with negative because I want to know why, what, what's going on? How do you get to where you are? And to the point where you want to criticize me, let's talk. Me and too, so I, <laughs> I love that. And some people have, I've been called obsessive wanting <laughs> to know like how's that obsessive you've got a critique of me and i'm not allowed to ask you how you got to it how's that obsessive i want to learn the pathway in which we've now come to cross you have yeah. this critique i'm here asking how did you get there in a friendly way i don't i don't fight i'm not going to fight with anyone and so I want to know in a friendly way, how did you get here? And then that's usually, I've made yes. friends this way. That and gets so, pisses people off though. They're just like. It turns ahead. some people off, but I've actually made good friends that way oh. that we were able to, they may have kept their opinion, but somehow I, mean, I can think of three people off the top of my head that, that came at me with criticisms through Knox Mente, by the way. Uh, huh. And I just interacted with them and now they listen every show and we have good interact, really positive interactions. Huh. So that I consider, you know, those friends out in the world like that, like, uh, you know, e-friends. Sure. And so that started off nasty, absolutely huh. nasty. I'm like, how did you get to this point? Why, why do you have this perception? Let's talk about this. I love it. We don't all have to agree. We can have our own opinions and still understand each other. I love that. <laughs> right. But, and then just asking for clarity creates yeah. a pathway and not just between two people. This is the Vesica Pisces again, not just between two people, but also in your brain, your neurology, it creates a pathway. So I may not have seen something in myself that some, I want to know why you, I'm reflecting this to you. Why, yeah. what is it about me that's reflecting this? So yes. I'm actually in it to gain something for myself. Yes. That's what it, I'm not in it to defend myself. If I'm somehow misconstrued, I want to see how rather than just being criticized for it. It's like the tomato tomato thing. If am I, is it tomato or is it tomato? It doesn't matter. <laughs> Well, it's because you take so much value in your lucidity and your in your moment and your own who you are and your experience and stuff, and you're not trying to gloss over it and forget and just move on and be agreeable. Right? I mean, it takes that level of introspection and lucidity, I think, that makes you do that and just go, okay, well, I really want to understand and comprehend what brought this person to that experience of me when I have, you know, a completely different presentation or experience in my perspective, you know? I'm in this for myself. I'm in this yeah. to learn and grow. And that's where I am. I, I hope to never be frigid. And so uh, this is why I can take it. And I want to know now, maybe a younger version of me would have taken offense or had a different response, but that's not who I am now. And I've always allowed myself to 
to grow and change and morph. I have never held myself back from that. I am not the same person I was yesterday. And so, because it doesn't exist, right? So we, in this, you know, this this is a martial arts principle. We need to bend. We need to be flexible to survive. This is how like bamboo, like seagrass, all of it. It's you know, the seagrass is my analogy. I put in poems. The great seagrass. And so it's, strong, but it bends. It, uh, it absolutely, absolutely moves with the flow, and it gets stronger and bigger and more beautiful. And yet, you know, hurricanes can come in, and it flows with it that never snaps. It's just a beautiful, and it's so nourishing too. But uh-huh. this is where. I am with everything and why dreams and points of consciousness interest interest me infinitely because I'm trying to learn about my space, my inner space, knowing that the outer space is just the screen in which all that's reflecting. So Mm. I'd rather be outside the cave than in it. You know what I'm saying? Internally, structurally, I'm in it. We're all in the cave, structurally. But that is what is the push to get us out on an on a big esoteric level. When it's there's this study on prisoners, and my this I got a personal story, but I'll, I'll save that. I've never been in jail. I hope to, well, we're in jail now, but I mean, I hope to never be in like a cage, jail, 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 you know, and um, (laughs) a real hard example of jail. And, uh, but prisoners and across the world, these, the ones that actually have no choice and that are, that get very little, not cushy prisoners that are really locked into cells most of the day, every day find out-of-body experiences organically (laughs) and there's they actually end up being masters at it there's like this there's a ton of it so it's i know why the cage bird sings kind of theory right and so we and and this is what happened with me in my early childhood it was so terrible it was really 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 rough terrible bad experience bad circumstances. And I found that those, which I do think I signed up for, by the way, Hmm. that made me look outside of myself. I had no choice. There was no escape for me in what appeared to be my outer life. I had to just bide my time. And this was like a prison, but it was not a strict, strict prison because, you know, I started running away at the age of six, but Hmm. It was, it was still a hardcore prison, hardcore and very isolated space I had to inhabit. And through that process, I had started getting out of my body very early. I mean, this is when I was, you know, laying down on my bed and all of a sudden I'm falling through the floor or I'm rising up through the ceiling or I'm spinning, you know, all that stuff, that stuff was happening to me very young. And then when I started to push into that and explore it, this is when I realized I'm not really a prisoner. I think I'm not really a prisoner, but somehow the space my body belongs to is at the moment and this is one of those things that that study with prisoners around the world 
they understand that. And for those that are have a predisposition to do that, do it. And then for some just hardened realists, they come into it too. What do you do when you don't have reading material? You don't have anything. You have nothing but inner space. You become free within yourself, right? <laughs> well, at least, you know, I don't know what percentages are and I cannot remember that study, but it's out there. I think there's like several books on it. And so that is at least my hope. I, I can't imagine being in solitary confinement with nothing uh, and never finding inner, the actual real freedom through inner space to uh, access outer space. But I'm sure there, there could be those people though, Chander, there could be, but it just seems like that if anything's going to teach you how to step outside through the portal of, of that particular, through that particular portal to get from inner space to outer space, those kinds of circumstances will get you there. Yeah. And, and I think sometimes I wonder, is this why some of us land in those experiences? Is this one of the reasons we learn these arts? Because mm. this is an art in the end. It's all art to me. And that's just another form of the great art. Mm. That's also a beautiful perspective. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when you were talking about um, when you, I'm not sure how you phrased it, when you, um, you had your NDE and which one? The bleed out? I was thinking the bleed out one. Yeah. Uh, only because, I don't know, maybe, it, it, I don't know, it didn't sound like your experience was had quite the same quality, but um, can, can you say more about when you were, when you were, when you came to, <laughs> what, what was that like for you? Well, with the bleed out, I was told what happened and that's why I was shocked by what But the person happened. who was telling you what came to like, what was happened? Was a doctor. The doctor told, the, told, so I think, and I don't know, I never got full confirmation on this from my mother and my aunt. Uh, and so it, 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 it's very, it's a very strange story. And my family's very strange like this, but I think they weren't going to tell me, but the doctor came in to and he's like, Oh, she's doing really well, but we need to do another blood transfusion. You know, she all, when she bled out and flatlined, she bled out and they're like, I, they had to get because I came to at this point my mother had to sign the my mother had to make it happen when I was unconscious and then I had to because I was conscious sign the it's okay to have a blood transfusion and this wow. is this is back in the 90s and I remember the very first thing I said was and I didn't know what had happened prior and so the very first thing I said was and I'm o, o negative, so I have, I guess, a more rare blood type. And and the very first thing I said was, is it how well screened? And it's very foggy, but I was like, how well screened is it? Because I was afraid of HIV. And, um, yeah. you know, I'm like 24 or something. And, uh, and I was just really concerned with dying. Like I thought, like the HIV, not realizing that I had flatlined. <laughs> 
Interesting. And then he, so then when he huh. said, well, you know, he explained what, what had, why I needed it. And that's when he called me a bleeder. And uh, that's, that's what happened. I mean, that, that was the narrative. And so that's how I learned I had, I had tapped out. So it was that my mother had to come in and say, do what you can. And then I had to sign a waiver when I came to, because I still needed a lot more blood, a lot. Uh, and I didn't even think about that experience much because I had no experience. That's what was alarming. So it was later, it was much later where I thought, oh, there was no, you know, I just thought I was lucky. That's what I thought. I thought I was lucky. But because there was no visuals, nothing, ha I went into, no there's no, I had no experience. So I didn't have anything to think about other than the fact that I had no experience. Now, I was a deeply spirit. I've always been a deeply spiritual person. And I never have considered that there's, nothing i've it's just never been a thought of mine so i think somehow in some way i tried to i think i repressed that and then i came around to it later like oh man and then that started that whole new query in my life of what of where i am really now even though that's been 20 years ago or whatever you know the 90s when however long ago it's been a while and so yeah, it was, it's still deeply, I'll tell you what, I'm still deeply disturbed by it. It still actually bothers me that I have no memory of it. That's what, like, what happened? Why don't I have a, a memory of this? Even people that they put under anesthesia that have NDEs come back with stories. Yeah. I, I have no story. I came back with nothing, blackness. Well, the, so as I said, I've had a, a few experiences, two definite NDEs and one um, that probably was that I can think of in, in fairly recent times. And in each of those three cases, you know, I could tell you the stories, but just I'll, I had a very similar experience. It's like I, when I came to, it was like I was being born. It was like at first yeah. I had no idea who I was or what anything was. Yeah. Yeah. It was groggy like that for sure. And, but even more than that, it was like, I had no, I, it, it was like, there was just, it was just easy. And it, it's so funny because in each of those cases, I really didn't have a real reason to come back. Like, I mean, some reasons, but it would have been just as easy just to move on, but I don't know. I didn't make any conscious decision or anything. Um, so I don't know what, I mean, it was just kind of like, it, it's honestly, it's, it's, it's disturbed me too. And, and the, the strange brain that I have sometimes goes, makes me go, well, maybe I am an Android like in Blade Runner. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. You just said something that I have pondered so many times. I'm a clone or I'm some, right? Because that fits into that narrative. Why do right. we not have anything before? Are we actually clones? <laughs> are we actually some sort of uh, you know more human than human that has been something deeply on my uh mind and it's definitely 
on the plate, not just on the table, but it's on my plate. It's on the plate. Yeah, I know. It's weird, right? Oh my gosh. I've never heard anybody else say that. <laughs> I will tell you this though. There, out of everything euphoric I've done in my life, there is nothing that feels better than getting, I sound so vampire, the, the blood transfusion I got, and I, it was a lot. I can't remember. It was like a couple bad. I don't, I don't know how much, but I could pull that information up on my medical records and see. I probably should dig into that. Um, anyway, it feels so good. I cannot tell you. It was like this warm sensation all through my body was warm and it felt the more that was coming into, I felt so vital. And the reason I needed more was the doctor said, so I guess I'd bled out, I bled out, bled out. Um, but he said in what they put in wasn't enough. And the reasoning that I needed more was because it would cause a like heart attack or stroke or something where you need, I needed more. I might stroke out or heart attack out. I can't remember which. Uh, and so right. that's sure. when he yeah. came. Yeah. And so that was the reasoning why he needed my consent to put more, but I'm telling you what, it was so warm and delicious and I felt so vital. Uh, it was incredible the feeling absolutely incredible and i i don't know but i do think something changed in me and i had this real weird after effect because i didn't like the idea of where the where i was like you know i was always weird about i'm weird about blood anyway and so i was like where did this blood come from <laughs> you know like i started really like where is this what's the source of this blood it's going in my body and yet at the same time it was so it was life i felt like i was coming back to life for sure it was absolutely life everything i think about life was happening during a blood transfusion wow. everything i the vitality the i felt strong and vital and uh intense i, I can't tell you it was amazing yeah, absolutely amazing i'm glad to have had that experience that i can recall or you know call upon it uh but oh. it still creeped me out also the same same idea though like where is this blood from <laughs> and especially because i have never wanted a social disease and so unfortunately i've made it to this point in my life without having one and so it kept me really in check i mean i did have one crazy year in 1996 but uh it, it had <laughs> it did. in general it's kept me in check and so it was, you know, that was like the whole AIDS era was a good thing for me because I, I just, the idea, see, this is another thing for someone who thinks in the terms of immortality and all that. I was always afraid of getting uh, something socially and in particular though, I AIDS, I mean, right? Yeah. And so yeah. it kept me in check. There are probably a lot of experiences I would have found myself in had I not been, uh, had that, I guess, fear, that fear of not, you know, because I'd known so many people that died from HIV. And mm. so if it's real, I mean, we know that it's a bioweapon that was released, but whatever that is, I didn't want it. And at the time I bought into that narrative. Oh yeah, so, I bought it. Yeah, totally. 
way. Not you yeah. recently, but I even second guess that. Yes. Well, now as all that's unfolding, it's a whole different story. But it's back then. I definitely was buying into that story, and yep. so that was that's what inevitably scared me. But you know, they're like, "Well, it's super screen. It's a hospital. What kind of joint you think this is?" You know, like I mean, that well, wasn't that wasn't what they said, but it was already it's the '90s. It wasn't the '80s, so it was already like a huge amount of awareness and blood screening and all that. So it's probably the safest time for that to happen to you. But now, yeah. did I pick up from you saying that you had a sense that? Were you saying that you got a sense that that is true blood and so that that gives you a sense that, you know, that maybe you're, you know, biological or do you think that, do you think that maybe something happened in that transfusion and now you're not sure? If I don't know. Or? I don't <laughs> have any concretes in this, but I, I feel like when I look at the trail of weird in this narrative that I'm living <laughs> in the times the times that there's been so many times I've been three seconds from death. There've been so many crazy experiences around me. There's so much strangeness that I've often questioned. And I don't, I'm not coming from like that psychotic perspective where I'm the Christ, right? That's where you worry when someone's like these stories where people tell you they're Christ conscious, you know, where they're, the one, Neil, you're the one. Right. That's not the perspective I'm coming from. I'm coming from the fact that I'm not special. And in that not special, that that there are others like me, that there's no, I'm not here to save anyone else but myself and mm -hmm. all of that. I don't have that stuff going on for me. I don't mm -hmm. even care. Uh, mm -hmm. So, I mean, I don't want people I love to suffer and all that, but I'm, I'm not like a savior. I don't have a savior complex. I don't even like groups. So, right, yeah. <laughs> so okay. I'm, not, I'm definitely not here to be anyone's guru or save them. Right. And, uh, but I am trying to save myself. And so when, when I find myself looking at the craziness, the trail of weird, I just can't piece it together yet. Chander, I don't know what's gone on. This is why it's been very helpful for me to be in, to call Randy Moggins a friend and be in conversation with him. Yeah, some cool He's stuff to say. I love your guys' conversations, by the way. You bring us some Randy's cool stuff amazing. Together. He's yeah. amazing and has helped me immensely uh, with understanding stuff I didn't understand and validating so much stuff that's just anomalous in my life where I, I could stories I've been talking about my whole life. Everyone around me knows these stories and yet they've never fit into anything. That's why I talk about them. This is why they're like campfire stories. Right. And uh, you know, why the old man picked me up three times and, and take me and observe my eyes under a microscope. And like, you know, this wow. weird stuff, the shining one and all this, these weird stories I have. Wow. And, oh, uh, we hear all of it. <laughs> yeah, there's just so much. Well, doesn't even the normal stories I have that are normal for me, Randy's been filling in the gaps on those. And so it's not that Randy's a guru, it's that he's studied this stuff has his own narrative and uh to me is what i would consider even though he probably would not i would consider an expert in that field when he hears these narratives 
and sees the vesica pisces of them the overlap of them understands how the programs work and all that it's been validating let me put it that way at the very I, least i i can believe it and i've heard i it's very rare to hear male especially say some of the things that he says and has have his perspective and i um i i consider him someone that um yeah for that for those reasons and what you were just saying um I gain a lot from listening to him. And so I've tuned into his off planet radio a few times since then and stuff. And I just, um, the conversations though, where you guys are talking are the best. And it's like that, um, that, that ability to, uh, you know, see the patterns, recognize those patterns and the best of Pisces um, is just, it's so, oh my gosh, it's so good to hear. <laughs> Yeah, well, this is one of the reasons why I like them to be out there. I think other, I wish earlier in my life I had sources like Randy and I could find those people talking about those things that I now don't feel so alone with some of my weird. And it's, yeah, like I said, it's validating. And there are a lot of us out there. This is not an exclusive club and it's definitely not a club you want to be in. There's no. no glamour to this at all. And like I've said a million times, no I don't understand these people that come out and they, they're like superstars because of of whatever these narratives are. It's like there's nothing about any of this that was great. None of it has been great. And it was all it's all been very difficult, in fact. And so uh, I don't know why. And this is, goes into that fashion season, right? It, again, people want to be, it's that participation mystique. Well, I, that where you, sh they present some, you present something and there's something authentic there or something real there. And then there's all this facsimiles of, and that's what happens. Ugh. So it's yeah. like, this is the real deal here. And then all of a sudden you've got all these little clones of that. And you then, know, you know, you get this crazy and then that's where you get the crazy people talking that aren't, the stories aren't theirs. They're not their narratives and they never had them. And then they just make the whole thing look crazy. <laughs> right. You know what I'm talking about? For sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, you know, that's one of the reasons I reached out to you. And it just, it just suddenly occurred to me that I, I've been conversing with you and I didn't really, you know, extract anything specific, you know, from our conversation, you know, yet, but, but um, I, I, there are a lot of, you're like an OG, right? You're, you're, you're one of the people who, uh, you know, struck out when it was extremely hard to do so. And there was a lot for you to personally risk and, um, it was a weird thing maybe to do and, and you just, you did it, you made your own way, you, you know, you, you created a format and a space for conversation and exploration that is magical. And, um, I see other people who, you know, some of them are just like what you're saying there, there's no substance behind them and they fail miserably, but there's even some people who, um, uh, you know, with all best intent, they, they try to. I think in trying to duplicate a format that's as appealing as yours, they miss the essence. And so a lot of times I see people just kind of missing good conversations that they could be having if they were just kind of more focused on that. And um, 
so anyways, I, there's a lot of imitators, but there's only a few OGs. And I, I just really, I, I love the way that you set a precedence for, you know, your art. And I love the way that you're evolving with it too. And um, continuing to, to let it evolve and, um, and also not be drowned in amongst all the uh, other people who are, you know, copying or trying to emulate. <laughs> but maybe in the act of, of, what is it exactly? Mimicry. Maybe sometimes that pulls you in and you become that which you're mimicking. And For that sure. is a hard path. So, you know, the hope is always that you find there's, you find the crack in the wall where the air is seeping through, right? Mm. And that that ultimately can take people into new lands and landscapes of of consciousness and i hope that for anyone that goes in trying to over identify with other people's stories and narratives that they find their own and yeah. then come forward this is my hope because if you're attracted to it there's something there immediately there's a reason why you're attracted to it and if you're mimicking it ultimately there's going to be rubber on the road and so hopefully that crack gets you out of that that prison those that little bit of isolation and you go from inner space to outer space this has been such a wonderful conversation i hope to have more with you gender this has been fantastic oh, i mean i can't you. even how long have we been going let me look almost well, four I, hours three hours it, wait I don't i'm even just like know. you i time I, I have a real issue with time. I mean, I literally do. Um, it's an executive problem for me. Um, but yeah, it's like, it, so what? I guess it's almost three hours. That's amazing. Well, it's not amazing because it's been really awesome. I, I'm has. so glad I came here today. <laughs> me, me too. And I, I wasn't even necessarily trying to wind her down, but it's probably a good thing that we do. And, and I just, I have so many things that um, I'd like to talk to you about in the future and, and you brought up so many things to make me ponder the experiences I've had and um, you brought up some new things for me too and I just I appreciate you so much. Thank you. I wish you the best of luck and I will come into conversation with you anytime. I am thrilled by uh, how you are and who you are. You've got a fantastic energy and I am rooting for you. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel special to be number one. <laughs> number one. Number one. <laughs> my in numerology, my life path is a number one too. So there's that. Oh, really? And uh, Lena Levich's lucky number was one. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, I love her. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> See, there we go. We can just keep going. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, hopefully we do. I hope you reach out to Keats. I'm sure. Tell him I was on, you know, like I'm sure. And I will stand behind this. What are you calling it? Well, you know, my initial idea was um, I've been trying to get out and just start the conversations and I didn't know how to do that and I've been struggling for a long time but finally I decided that uh, maybe by reaching out to people who inspired me it would create some momentum you know and, and yeah. open up conversations and so my idea was to do a series of a few shows um, anywhere between three and maybe five or six shows 
with you know my heroes um, with, with open-ended conversations, but really finding out about how they how they came into being a content creator, and that's the kind of thing I, I didn't actually get from you. I, I'd love to. Think of <laughs> Where I'm always off script, baby. <laughs> I, I meet you, and I love it. Uh, so that that's my intention, and you know, I I, I don't know. This is this conversation is made, making me think a lot because um, I, I'm not sure uh, what the cohesive, you know, theme has been that I, that I can, uh, um, you know, put up as a show or cut at all. I don't like editing, so I was thinking I would just sort of put it up, um, and maybe I just will. But it, uh, it, I don't know. Even though it didn't have that that theme of where I was going for. It's like you said, it's like just by opening the conversation, it's it's inviting those energies in of possibility. And um, I, I don't, I'm still searching for, maybe there doesn't need to be a through thread of a theme yeah. for a yep. show. But but I like, like for instance, you know, with, with Viable or Vosas uh, uh, Nocte, you know, to have that theme of, of dreams is, is it's at least um, it differentiates it from being a dream in itself. Yes, and it's open territory. And I didn't. I did answer your question. Actually, I got into being a content creator because I wanted to learn more about myself. Ah, yeah. I mean, it's that simple. <laughs> I'm looking for the overlap. <laughs> for the overlap, you know, and me too. That's exactly it. Yeah. This is why we do these things. And I think that if you just continue to move forward with that kind of purity and coming at it the way you did with me, I think that whatever you do in this realm, in this genre, you're going to be fulfilled personally just by having interactions you want to have with people you want to have them with. That's what inspires me constantly. Yes. Yes. That's where, and this is how we raise the the frequency too, right? Isn't this how we raise the frequency? We come together and it's that two create the third and the third is more powerful than the two. And yet it is nothing without the two. <laughs> Going back to the geometry that you were talking about earlier, that's so, it's so true. It's so true. <laughs> so let me know. I hope if you edit, I hope I'm not terrible to edit because I'm on the Cosmic Salon. I edit well on the podcast part. I edit and I don't edit out a lot, but I edit everyone stutters and stumbles and ands and ums. Yes. And so I edit out those. I keep trying to keep it really organic, but some people like dean he says and um almost every other word so that, was a, that was a pickle and he's a genius he's super genius i mean he's so he's fantastic and then with ingrid i just I, I couldn't i couldn't pull myself to do any of those because she's south american and that there everything's in the oh and ah oh, it's yeah. yes it's beautiful and so expressive and i felt like if i go in and and take out any of that we're gonna lose ingrid's beauty and so i left almost all, there were just a couple like examples i mostly edited myself stuttering and so <laughs> 
that's what I was thinking about this conversation. It'd be like, I mean, you were very smooth and had a very fluid, you know, topic sense about you. And <laughs> if anything, it'd be me setting down my stuff. But <laughs> oh, when I edit myself, I I'm constantly going, oh Lord. <laughs> You know, like, oh, yeah. Lord, what am I saying here? Because I meander out, as you know, and I'm one of those kinds of conversationalists where I'm not really, I'm not strict. So it, I can just flow in all these different directions. It's the great seagrass. Yeah. But ultimately, I try to weave back around. It all just comes swooping back in some way or form. And I count on that. But when I'm editing myself, I'll tell you what. I'm like, oh, my God, what am I saying? <laughs> you know, like, what? what I look, I do it third person too. Like, what is she on about? <laughs> I, me too. So if you edit, I hope it's not too much of a pickle. I hope that it is cohesive enough for you to deal with since it's a long amount i know right well the only thing i, I think the only reason i might uh consider editing it would be for a, um just to to make it fit within that you know the the heroes series but it doesn't really need to i mean it doesn't it this can be exactly what it is and i think there's a lot of value even if no one listens to it there's been so much value in generating this energy for both of us i think I never go into any of it thinking about who's going to listen ever. That's the last thing I worry about or how many people are listening, how many people are clicking it. I absolutely think nothing of all that. I feel wholeheartedly that the words go where they need to go. It's mm -hmm. like that, you know, the water goes where it, needs, it rises to its own level. And so I could care less if no one listens right outside the people that you and I, Right. This is in and of itself was a joyful, meaningful way to spend some time with someone. And, <laughs> right. This is what I'm talking about. So I absolutely don't don't consider that. But I do consider like people's time frame. So I that's why I like the the cosmic salon I've broken up into two hours. But I finally, after all these years, did do that Patreon. Uh, and thanks to Emily Moyer for pushing me to do it because I I struggled with the idea of it. I'm telling you, I struggled for years, but it was like at this time, it's really difficult to, to, this is a, everyone in the arts understands this, except for those dead soulless types that are just like grind, grind, grind. What do the people want? What do the people want? I'm going to give them what they want. Those people, the mill people, that are soulless, that's a different breed. I'm not that breed. I'm actually in it for the art. And so I underpriced myself always. And doing a Patreon page was such yeah. a very important thing that I didn't realize, but Emily Moyer pushed me. And I'm Good so great. I'm I love Emily too, by the way. She's awesome. She's got Emily's amazing. <laughs> She's got so much energy. My God. I know. Energy. I should say energy. So that's true. Yeah. She is a powerhouse. I love yeah, it. She's, she's been integral in the whole process of the Cosmic Salon as far as pushing me for it. I was just sitting on it like, I'm not, okay, okay. And she she's like, we're recording this and I'm going to promote nice. it. And so you have this deadline. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> she nice. just came in like a trainer oh that's that's sweet because as artists we can just stay in that space of not doing it forever if i could hire emily to just train me and all the be a handler 
<laughs> she, she, Emily's gonna laugh at that. But, I mean, she's she's really motivational for me. So, but with that, I'm. Let's stay in contact. You're a friend. So, and this is, Thank I mean, you. you've crossed that territory. We have Vesica Pisces. <laughs> Word. <laughs> you're on opposite ends of the the, uh, uh, the horoscope, though. You're the Taurus. I've got five planets in Scorpio, so watch out. Right. Well, there we go. <laughs> the magnet thing, pushing against and towards. <laughs> well, you know, the thing I love about that Scorpionic energy, too. First of all, besides the transformation from a Scorpio to an ego, uh, an eagle, ego that's ego. hilarious to an eagle which is the gates of the avatar there's so magical transmutation they mm -hmm. are loyal scorpios are so loyal i love this about water signs mm -hmm. and everyone knows i love water signs but i have you know my stepdad's a scorpio i have like a weird relationship with scorpio but i've had great sex with scorpios Exactly. Yeah, I've had a Lord. partner, right? <laughs> oh my God. Right? I mean, like yeah. different than anything else. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, this is the thing with the polar opposites, right? Yeah. Yes. That's it's something else. But on that note, I thank you for this time. Word. You too. I'll talk to you soon. Oh, Nish, is there anywhere? I'm sorry. Where can people find you? Oh, you can just throw all that in the show notes, the Cosmic Salon, and that's, it's everywhere podcasts are, but I house it on Anchor, and then you can click anywhere, it's on Apple, Google, all that, Spotify, uh, but forward slash niche, and then Patreon is forward slash niche, and Fox's Nocte on, on YouTube, but if you type in Nox Mente, you'll end up there. And then my personal page where I do weird art and time arts and stuff is it says your host on the Vox's Nate site and it takes you right to my personal YouTube channel, which has very interesting videos and stuff. Yes, it does. Very cool <laughs> stuff there too. The central hub maybe is best place might be to go to Cosmic Salon or? The Cosmic Salon's kind of on its own. It doesn't house anything else. So I... I don't know. I mean, I find when you're interested in someone, you just will go looking, but you can find yeah, me in those places and in the show notes, you can just have those links. For so. sure. I'll the links down there for sure. Yeah. So cool, there, there we have it. Ah, <laughs> All right, dear. Whatever you want to. Hopefully we'll talk soon. Be well. Yeah. Well, I'm going to have you on the Cosmic Salon. This is, oh. what is it? What do they call it? Um, quid pro quo. Pid, wow. Quid Pro quo. <laughs> Good pro quo. I, I've heard that, but I thought it had something to do with squids. I, I I, oh, we're bringing in the cephalopods already. Okay. I was going to bring in the cephalopods. <laughs> <laughs> All right, darling. For I now, I got to go bait me an octopi. Okay. Right. Well, Kidding. watch out. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. Adios, amiga.